ministry of Nelson Ehiago. Be stirred as you listen. Turn your Bible. Let me show you something. Turn your Bible to the book of Hebrews. So, I have a couple of thoughts I want to communicate. Um, NLT, Solid Bible. I have a, a couple of thoughts I want to communicate. And, um, Daniel, please, I don't want to walk out of this frame because I've been walking around. I have a couple of thoughts I want to communicate. And uh, those thoughts, I, I'm not going to put them in topics. And the reason I'm not going to put them in topics is so that we don't have some sort of segmented understanding. Are you with me? Are you with me? Please respond now. Because I don't, I don't want us to have some sort of segmented understanding. I want us to have uh, the teachings as... I want the teachings to flow as much as we can. Because something that has to do with Bible knowledge or Bible understanding is... You can teach many topics from the Bible. Okay? You can teach many topics from the Bible, but one thing that you need to understand is that the Bible has one message. Say one message. message. The Bible has one message. Okay, I think this is even a a better place to start. The Bible has one message. You know, thank God, we've been doing a commentary of the book of Romans. How many of you have been blessed by it? Good. We've been doing a commentary on on, on the book of Romans, and... There's something we learned in Romans chapter 1, you know, there's something we learned in, uh, there's something we learned in Romans chapter 1, there's something we learned in a couple of verses, right? We learned that when you look at scriptures in the Old Testament, or from the, the Bible is broken, you know, you see the Old Testament and you see the New Testament, you know, what they call the Old Covenant and then the New what? Covenant. The Old Testament, uh, In the laws of Moses, basically, you have the first five books, the laws of Moses. What exactly was Moses doing? When we interpret that from the New Testament, basically, we get to see that what Moses exactly was doing was, Moses was preaching the gospel in a type. Moses, or basically, God was telling the story of salvation in a type. So what does that mean? I mean, in the Old Testament, you get to see that um, these guys... uh, they shed blood, for example. They brought a spotless lamb. They had a high priest. All these things were symbols and symbolic of what the ministry of Jesus was going to entail. Are you with me? They were symbols and symbolic of what the ministry of Jesus was going to entail. So Jesus was both the lamb and the high priest. So they had the lamb, they had the high priest, but then Jesus was both the what? The lamb and the high priest. They had, a, they had two different kinds of lambs. They had one that was a scapegoat. And then they had, we'll probably do a, a better teaching on this. You know, I have a teaching lined up with, called uh, Christ in the Old Testament. When we do it, it will better explain this. We'll do a better teaching on this. But, um, Alright. When we do that, so I'm just going to run through this, but please pay attention. So, in the laws of Moses, the laws basically, they were pointing to Christ in a type. And then we see the prophets, right? The prophets, in fact, the reason why they were segmented as major 
and minor prophets was not because one was more prophetic. He had, he had, he had a grace. He can go to your village. It's not, it's not, that was not why. The reason why they were called major and minor prophets was because it was usually to the degree to which they spoke about Christ. Are you here? So that's why a lot of people will say Isaiah is like the Paul of the Old Testament. Because most of the prophecies about Christ, you find them in the Old Testament. You find them in Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied how he will, be, they will die, where he will be buried, prophesied everything. I mean, Isaiah spoke 300, Isaiah spoke about 300 years before Christ to be born and spoke about the crucifixion. The crucifixion was not in existence then. Talk about a prophetic sniper. Are you with me? The crucifixion was not in existence then. But Isaiah spoke about those things. And then, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I, I double in apologetics. There are guys who are dangerous in apologetics, like a few of my friends. But I double in apologetics and then Lee Strobel, the guy who wrote the book, Case for Christ, right? Or the movie. How many of us have seen the movie? Okay, I have the book. I've watched the movie too. Great book, great movie. He said, I think he had one of his co-workers and he wanted to debunk, you know, Christianity. I know I've said that a few times. And then he took that verse in Isaiah that said, as a lamb led towards the sharer, towards the slaughter, he opened not his mouth, you know. And then he said, who said this? Everybody he asked said, it is Jesus. But he said, it's not Jesus. It was Isaiah that spoke this 300 years before Jesus was born. When you read the book of Isaiah, it is so scary that you would think that Isaiah was looking at what was going to happen and taking notes. Are you with me? So, you see that in the prophets. You see the Lord talking about Christ. You see the prophets talking about Christ. When we see the gospels, we see Jesus come. Jesus basically spoke to them. He said um, in uh, Luke, he said in Luke chapter 24, basically, he was basically saying that, he said, I'm beginning at Moses and in all, you know what, open your Bible, Luke 24. This is very instructive. Please follow me. Just hang in there. Stay with me now. Stay with me. I'm going to come back to something, but I don't want to lose my train of thought. Let's read Luke 24 from this. Luke 24, 22. This is very beautiful. You see, ah, ah, God. It says Jesus revealed himself after his passion with many infallible proofs. With many infallible proofs. It was impossible to say that Jesus, it is still impossible to say that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Are you guys with me? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people still don't know. And a lot of people still don't, still don't get that the resurrection of Jesus is a historical fact. So, that's why when a lot of people ask me, how do you know the Bible is real? And I'm going to talk about that later. How do you know the Bible is real? They don't understand that, <laughs> that whether, that the Bible does not validate Christianity. 
Christianity validates the Bible. If the Bible did not exist as a singular document, Christianity will still be true. Are you here? Christianity will still be true. Why? Because Christianity hangs on one foundation. Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I, I saw someone, the person asked a question and the person said, how am I going to, you know, that the person has lost their faith. Why did they lose their faith? Because, um, you know, they said this, they saw this question a while back, but now they've lost their faith because how can God create the heaven and the earth? How can God create the heaven and the earth? Where was he before? I'm like, as deep as you think that is, you know, sometimes I marvel at atheists. They think Christianity started yesterday. Christianity started over 2,000 years ago. And men have debated issues back and forth. There is almost no argument you want to raise that people have not considered. Some of the most brilliant minds were Christians. Are you here? In fact, it is because of their Christian faith that it's their Christian faith that pushed them to study the world around them. Many of the fathers of, mod- of modern science that you will see and whatnot, they were Christians. And because they realized that, they, they basically said that if God created the world and God gave us knowledge, then it is worship of him to know much more about the world he created us in. So, in them finding, more, finding out more about God, it was worship. Anyways, when the person said that, he said, then where did God exist before? Da, 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 da. Well, it's a simple answer to that, but okay, I've, I've put the question now, so I must answer it. But the way was looking at me, hey, what's the answer now? <laughs> I'll answer with this verse. You know, in Psalms, the Bible says, in Psalms, Jesus basically told us that he humbles himself Sorry, I said Jesus. David told us about God. And he said that God humbles himself to touch the things that are in heaven. Have you seen that verse before? Let me show you. It's a very humbling verse. When you find out that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But in heaven. You know, heaven will be a very interesting place. Because there are some things you read. Isaiah went and he saw angels with six wings. You are afraid of pigeon. <laughs> you are afraid of pigeon, but you see beings with six wings, and they say, "Fear not, sir." <laughs> I see your fear, sir. With and because and that is that's still good, though. That's scary. Or Ezekiel, you know, <laughs> when I read the Bible, I realize that there are beings in heaven that are not angels, but are not God. Who are the 24 elders? What are they? They are elders. <laughs> the beings that Ezekiel saw, that he saw eyes in wheels, what are they? They call them orphaning. But I'm like, that's not the right name. The right name is scary. <laughs> so, heaven is going to mess up our understanding of geography, biology, everything, because God is showing that Nami now. Almost said him a good day, but he's the day. Are you with me? Yeah. So you see a man with four faces: an eagle, a man, a bull, and one other one, a lion. Then another time he saw um, for the one, I think one or two faces were different. One man. 
One man. You know, when you see all those things, you just be like, what did they happen? You know, but that's not even the most interesting thing. The most interesting thing is that when these beings see the, the one who made them, they bow. You know, I was making a joke with my friend yesterday, and Pastor James Ibukwe. He said, ah, how far? Where are you there? I said, I'm in heaven. I was just joking. And then he said, I, have, I said, I want if one of the crowns where the 24 angels they throw away. 24 elders. But I thought about it. I said, when they see God, they throw away their crown. They've been worshipping from eternity to eternity. Eternity past to eternity future. Because they never run out of wonder with what they see. Are you with me, please? They never run out of wonder with who they see. And because they see God, they're like, ah! You know, Second Timothy. And this is interesting that this verse is in the epistles. Because I'm going to explain this eventually. Because the height of scriptural revelation is found in the epistles. Are you here? I'm going to explain. But the height of scriptural revelation is, is not found in the Psalms, it's not found in the prophet, because the epistles are the culmination. The epistles are the summation of the revelations of Christ. That's why it is in the epistles that the Old Testament is explained. It is in the epistles that the Psalms, the Psalms, the Gospels are explained. In the epistles, you know, in the Gospels, when they look at Jesus, that's why you say that the that's why you say that the Gospels, okay, the Gospels are observation, but the Epistles are revelation. Are you with me, please? Yes, please respond. Are you with me? Yes, if, you, if you want me to slow down, if you want to ask any question, raise your hand. Feel free to interrupt me. They retreat this time. Amen? So, the Gospels are observation, but the Epistles are revelation. In the Gospels, one man died. In the epistles, many rose with him. Are you here? In the epistles, in the gospels, one man died. But in the epistles, we say that we are buried with him by baptism. And he didn't just rise. We did what? We rose with him. So, in the gospels, they were basically saying what their eyes could see. But in the epistles, we were seeing much more than that. Ah, there are a couple of verses in my head, but I don't want to lose my train of thought. Um, in the epistles, we are not just seen by physical eyes, we are seen by the eyes of God. That's why when we do our Bible study, I usually say, Father, let us see our, let us, help us to see us in you, even as what? Jesus, you don't pay attention to me when I pray. Help us to see what? Oh my God. See, something about discipleship is you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. You can't just... John, are you on the community? Okay. Are you shy? Are you shy? Okay. You have to pay attention. You, can't, you have to pay attention, please. Take note of that. I say, help us to see us in you, even as you see us. Even as you see us in yourself. Are you with me? And the reason for that is because... The believer is limited to the degree to which he sees himself as God sees him. And that's why for the believer, after salvation, the greatest need is knowledge. Revelation knowledge, accurate knowledge, not just any knowledge. Many people know everything but important things. 
Are you here? Yes, sir. How many of us here did not do work? No, it's okay. Additional, feel free to raise your hand. How many of us did not do work? Okay, good. So, many people, their Bible knowledge is such that they know all things. So, they pass Yoruba, they pass home economics, they pass civic education. You fail math and English. You will do another year. If you get parallel A and just 2D, no, this, there's allowed D. No, it C's. They don't allow D, it C's. Uh, okay. You get parallel A, but math and English, you get F and F. Or two F's. You do it again. So also, that's one thing with Bible knowledge. And that's exactly what Jesus taught us. Stay with me. I mean that seriously now. Just stay with me. Luke 24, that's what I said to open, right? Look at verse 22. This, this part stares me. He said, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. Do you know why this is important? You know, the fact that women were the first to see Jesus. Women saw Jesus. So that's, that is super important when it comes to scriptures. Why? Because the testimony of women in that day did not hold water in the court. Very highly um, uh, patriarchal society. So when women gave their testimonies on matters, it didn't matter. But the people who, if they wanted to lie, they won't put first the testimony of women. How you see what, what do you think? If they wanted to lie, they won't put first the testimony of women. That's one among many other arguments people used to say that Jesus rose from the dead. If you want to lie, you put your best foot forward. You say the oldest man saw him. But they said women saw Jesus. You know? And it's good that be, women saw him first before other men began to see him. Verse 20, 23. It said, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Say he's alive. Come on, say he's alive. He's alive. Oh, my Jesus is alive. So, he said, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Look at 25. He said, then he spake unto them. Look at what Jesus said. He said, O fools and slow of heart. To believe all that who? Talk to me. All that who? All that the prophets have spoken. 26. He said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? Look at 27. He says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Beginning at where? Talk to me. Beginning at where? And where? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's go down to verse 44. Go down to verse 44. But look at what Jesus did here while you hold on to verse 44. What Jesus did here was Jesus summarized the words of the prophets. Are you with me? He summarized the words of the prophets into what he must suffer to enter into his glory. He said that this is basically all that the prophets had already spoken about prior. Are you with me, please? 
Um, just put your finger in that if you are using a physical Bible in that Luke 24. Let's go to First Peter. There's a reason I'm saying this. First Peter 1 Peter 1.12 Or let's start from verse verse 10. Or let's start from verse 9. Yes. Ah, should we start from 9? Look at verse 7. He said, Ah, verse 6. Ah, let's start from verse 3. He said, Blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again onto a lively hope. Let me, let me show you guys how to take notes. Please, when you take notes, you don't just write the Bible verse. Because if you are, if you are going through your notes, you won't understand what that means. So when you write the Bible notes, you, take, you put a hyphen, and then you put an explanation beside it. Are you with me? He said, which according to his abundant mercy, had begotten us again onto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What is the lively hope? Basically, you find out when you read through scriptures that the hope of the believer is the way Jesus rose, we also will rise. That death has no hold on us. So the, ho- the hope that we have is as Jesus rose, I also will what? Rise. He said, look at verse 4. He said, let me read verse 3 again. According to his abundant mercy, he had begotten us also a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Look at verse 5. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He said, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7. That, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So he's saying that now you are tempted, you are tested, but then it will count for much glory when Jesus comes. Are you here? So, persecution has value in eternity. Are you with me? Persecution has value in eternity. So, um, Okay, verse 8 now. It says, whom having, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is how we shout glory when we rejoice. Amen? Amen. So, when we have not seen, even though we have not seen him physically, we are full of joy. We are in love with one who we have not met, but we know one day we will meet the object of our faith. And that's why we live in accordance. How do I explain this? So, the same way a bridegroom is adorned, she's dressed, you know, our culture basically has made it different. So, the reason why the bride dresses up is because of the wedding. But ideally, um, you know, in the culture where this was written, the bride is supposed to be adorned. Why are you looking at me like that? Easy, sir. The reason why... The reason why the bride is adorned like that is because she's going to meet her husband. 
She's going to meet the object of her affection. Praise the Lord. So she's going to meet the object of her affection. So, so also, because she's going to be the object of, of her affection, there is a way she dresses. There is a way, you know, when Esther was going to see the king, there were spices and oils she was using. It's in the Bible. There were spices and oils she was using so that she can minister unto the king. Amen? Now, there were oils that she was using, skin care that she was using. Right? She had to prepare herself so that when she meet the king, you say, ah, Alija, the king will shock. So also is the same way we who are the bride of Christ, we know our Messiah cometh. And that's why the Bible tells us to be sober because he is coming. So because he is coming, there is a way we carry ourselves. There is a way we behave knowing that we are going to meet the object of our faith, the object of our affection. Are you with me? Either he will meet us or we will meet him. There will be a meeting. So either he comes in your lifetime or you will die. <laughs> I'll meet him. Praise the Lord. So, um, those online, are you following me? Severity, are you feeling fine? <laughs> so look at this. Verse 9. He said, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, right? Of which salvation, look at this, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Look at this. They inquired and searched diligently. They prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Look at verse 11. He said, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. And when it was testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ and the glories that you follow, upon whom it was revealed, but not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that, that have preached the gospel unto you which the Holy Ghost... Where's the second mic? Pass it, pass it, pass, pass it. To, I, want, I want to hear the NLT. Which are preached unto you, which the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Read from verse 9 to verse 12. Let's read it carefully. Please pay attention. These are the issues. First um, Peter 1. From verse 9 to verse 12. Is that verse 12? So, look at this verse. It says that the prophets, they prophesied of these things. Are you following me? The prophets prophesied on these things. The prophets spoke about these things. The prophets spoke about these things which were to come. They spoke about these things which were to come. This verse, he said that the prophets revealed these things, but it was not revealed, though it was revealed through them, it was not revealed for them. Are you with me? Though it was revealed through them, it was not revealed 
for them. It was revealed for a time that should come. And what was that time? That time was after Jesus dies and, re- and rises again. Are you with me? Please, are you with me? After Jesus did what? Dies and rises again. So, that's exactly why Jesus said, that's exactly why Jesus said that, um, how did Jesus even put it? He said that, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he began to expound to them the things that what? Concerning himself. So he summarized the letters of Moses and summarized the letters of the prophets. He summarized them to mean that these letters were about me. Are you here? These letters, these things were about me. They were about him. Say they were about him. So let's go back to um, Luke, 20, Luke 24 verse 44 that I said we should stay on. He said, and he said unto them, Luke 24, 44, and he said unto them, he said, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Are you guys reading your Bible at all? Let's read that. Let's take Luke 24, 44. One, two, go. Alright. He said that it might be fulfilled the things which are written, written in the... Look at verse, 20, verse 45. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them. How did he open their understanding? Talk to me. How did he open their understanding? There's no wrong answer except additional answers. Fantastic. By speaking to them, by referring to scripture, more or less, or in summation, how did he open their understanding? By teaching them. Are you here? By teaching them. How scriptures are, of course, the Holy Ghost breathes on scriptures, you know, and um, it is by him we can understand what is written, you know, what is revealed, what is already revealed. There's no new revelation. What is already revealed. But how God had actually designed to be known is by what? Teaching. How the understanding of the saint is opened is by what? Teaching. Are you here? So, Jesus, you see, is instructive that Jesus said the, um, the laws of Moses, the prophets, and the what? Psalms. Concerning him. Because there are psalms that people call messianic psalms. Because you find out that those psalms are about Jesus. The things that they practiced in the law, they were what? About Jesus. The prophets, you know, we just read First Peter uh, 1.12. The prophets, basically, the things that they spoke ahead, they were what? About Jesus. There were many other things that they said. But Jesus, the things that the word picked out were the things that were concerning him. Are you with me? So you need to understand that when you are reading the Bible and you are reading the Old Testament, the most important part of the Old Testament is not David and Goliath. Once, those things were not once quoted in the New Testament. 
Are you with me, please? They were not once quoted in the New Testament. Now, are those verses of Scripture absolute? No. You know, you see um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, I think, and then uh, Romans 15, 6. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, I believe, says those things that were written at full time were written for our what? Learning. Right? Um, Romans 15, 6, he says those things that were written, written that through patience, through hope, and through scriptures, we'd have, we might have hope. Oh, Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 6. That's only the patience of scriptures, we might have hope. I think that's it. That's not it, though. No, I know. But I think I missed it. 15.4. It said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of scriptures, might have hope. All right? So, those things in the Old Testament, do they have place? Yes, they do. Are you with me, please? Those things in the Old Testament, do they have a place? They do. They do have a place. But, hmm, um, we need to now know what is the order of priority. What exactly? Because if you draw a line from the Old Testament to the end of the Bible, you see that there is one message and one person, Jesus. In fact, you can boldly say that the message of scriptures is what? Salvation. Are you with me? The message of scriptures is salvation. The law, you know, the law, um, Romans 3. Romans 3. I think from verse 19. Yes. He said, now we know, from verse 19, that what things soever the law saith, he saith to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may, be, may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Look at 21. He said, but now the righteousness of God without the law is made manifest. Hold on. Okay, let, let me... 19. We know that whatsoever things the Lord says, he says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Basically, what the law came to do is the law came to reveal that man was guilty. Why is that important? Galatians 3. Galatians 3.24. He said, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Are you with me, please? The law was our schoolmaster to do what? To bring us unto Christ that we might be what? Justified by faith. So Romans 3.19, the law basically showed that we were guilty. But Galatians 3, Galatians 3.24, the law was our schoolmaster leading us Are you here? Leading us to salvation by what? Faith. So, the law showed that all men were guilty. But then, because the law showed that all men were guilty, the law also showed that by the works or by works, no man could be called righteous. So, the law at the end of the day pointed man to Jesus. Because at the end of the law was supposed to be grace. Are you here? 
When you come to the end of the law, you are supposed to find grace. That's why Jesus was saying, Matthew 5, 17, he said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to do what? Fulfill it. Praise the living Jesus. So, there's something, there's something we need to understand. See, the law or the ministry of the law, the reason for the law, you know, was to point to Christ. The, the reason for the prophet, the prophet prophesied about Christ and the things that he was coming to do. Are you here? The prophet prophesied about Christ and the things that he was coming to do. The gospels showed us about the God-man. Showed us about the God-man. Showed us about what, um, why he came, what was possible through him. And all those things. In fact, you know, a man of God says something very interesting. He says, in Christ is not just a message to believe. It's an example to emulate. So, when we see what Jesus... And that's why he will tell us, be holy. Even as your father is what? Holy. So, in Christ, we don't just see what... We don't just see him to believe. We see him to know what is possible. That's why we say things like, as, you know, when the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Of course, the context of that verse is love. As he expressed love, so also can we express love. Of course, the context of that verse, when it says, as he is, so are we in this world. The context of that is what? Is love now. I just said it. The context of that is what? So also, as Jesus loved, we can love. Why is all this important? Hebrews chapter 1. So, ladies and gentlemen, please pay attention. Hear the sound of my voice. The reason I'm saying what I'm saying is this. Jesus. I do not know what I The reason I'm saying all these things I'm saying is because... When Jesus came, he began to speak about the things concerning himself. A lot of people have read the Bible and picked many other things. Now, the Bible teaches us, the Bible tells us to live right, but it also tells us the why. Are you with me? The Bible tells us all the things to believe and tells us the why and all that. But please pay attention to this. And this will lead me to what I want to say. If you don't really know what the emphasis of scriptures is supposed to be, huh? if you don't know what the emphasis of scriptures is supposed to be, you will pick anything in scripture and you will believe wrong. Because God has determined and God has designed that how he will be known is through scriptures. Are you with me? God has determined and God has designed God has determined that it is through scriptures that he will be, you know, Job 34. Let me show you something. Job 34. Job is just after uh, Luke. Job 42, sorry. Job 42. Job 42, 5. Look at this. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now what? Let me see if I'll find a good translation. Verse Job 42, 5. I have heard about you from others, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. 
There's a verse. One translation says, I've heard about you from rumors. But now my eyes have seen you. The reason for this is also why I read that Jesus opened their understanding. The reason I read this is because the Bible says Jesus opened their understanding. And how did he open their understanding? He did what? Thank you. He taught them. Jesus taught. You need to also understand that the road to Emmaus was about eight miles. So when they walked, when Jesus walked with them, okay? Please don't do social media while I'm teaching. When Jesus walked with them, all right? He walked with them for those eight miles. And when it was time to reveal Christ, you need to understand that he didn't, he didn't just tell them, oh yeah, now see my hand. See where they took me nail. I'm Jesus now. He said, oh fools and slow of her, to see, to, to, to not believe what the prophets had spoken. He pointed them back to scriptures. Ah, are you here? He pointed them back to scriptures. Because if you believe wrong, even right experiences will be interpreted in the light of wrong doctrine. Are you here? If you believe wrong, even the right experiences will be interpreted in the light of, you know, for example, tongues. There are some people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, but they say, ah, I only speak in tongues when the Spirit come upon me. But you ask them that when the Spirit comes upon me, should be you still to open your mouth. I mean, he'll come upon you and all of a sudden you just say yourself, say, you say, yes. If that used to happen, let's lay hands on you. Now it's a foul spirit. So, you see, he said, I've heard about you from the hearing of the ear. Jesus opened their understanding through scriptures. You know, the Bible now says, and he broke bread in the latter parts of that Luke 24. And then they knew it was him. How Some theologians say the reason they knew it was him when he broke bread and he opened their eyes. Well, some say that as he broke the bread, they now saw the nails in his hands. But it is instructive that Jesus did not reveal himself to them by experiences. He revealed himself to them pointing back to scriptures. The word used the word. Are you here? Yes, the word used the word. Hebrews chapter 1. Ah! God has done something to my teaching grace. I love it. Hebrews chapter 1. Online audience, I need you to be commenting so I know you are following me. Hebrews chapter 1. From verse 1. Look at this. He said God... Who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in this last day spoken unto us by his son. You know, you can also say he has spoken unto us in his son. Why is that important? Because Jesus said, whatsoever you see, I only do what I see what the father do. So everything Jesus was doing was what the father was doing. Are you here? He said, God who had sundry times and in diverse manners spoken to the fathers by the prophets. So, God who in different times and in different ways he spoke unto the fathers using the prophets. This same God in these days he has spoken unto us how? In his son. 
Look at verse 3. He said, who being the brightness of his glory. I think another translation says the effulgence of his glory. The express image of his person. So, if you want to see God, you look at who? Are you here? If you want to see God, you look at who? Please move forward. Thank you. If you want to see God, who do you see? Who do you look at? Jesus was the explanation of God. Jesus was the exegesis of God. And that's why Jesus would say things like, you know, when Peter, um, uh, was it Peter? He would say, Father, Jesus, show us God. He said, you have been with me this long and you still tell me, show you the Father. He said, don't you know that he that has seen me has seen the Father. So the answers Jesus gave to Pharisees were, his, were God's answers. The things that Jesus did were the doings of God. The things that Jesus said were the speakings of God. If you want to accurately know God, you look at Jesus. Ah. The same way if the moon wants to get light, it reflects it of the sun. But this one is, that's not a perfect analogy to use for God, Jesus and God. Why? Because Jesus is not just a reflection. Jesus is God. And that's why I will, that's why I will never agree to people who say things like, oh, God caused a sickness because he wants to teach you a lesson. Or healing is not God's will. Nobody came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you are sick, but this sickness is to teach you a lesson. Consistently, I think about 24 times or more, you see he healed them all. Some people say things like, oh, it's because he was the Messiah, he wanted to prove a point. I did a doctrinal defense on my position on healing. I think it's called, the name of the sermon is called Rafa, Christ the healer. Right? They say, oh, he did that because he wants to prove a point. Then it's not true. The Bible lets us understand that sometimes he healed people because of, you know, it was messianic. It was a prophecy to show, you know, like Matthew chapter 8, verse 15, 16. However, we also see that another thing was he had compassion. Did he change? Talk to me. Did he change? Is he still the same? Has his compassion ceased? Then he, has, then he still heals. Then he, we don't see anybody. In fact, many of the people who came to Jesus, the most dramatic healings that we see, they were Gentiles. They were not even Jews. So, a lot of people have a wrong understanding of God because they've not sat down and taken time to understand who Jesus is. Are you with me? They have a wrong understanding of God because they've not sat down and taken time to understand who Jesus is. Knowing Jesus is knowing God. And that's why Jesus will say things like, you know, in the Old Testament, James gave us a very interesting uh, analogy. Hmm, There's a verse in my head now. Let me piggyback a little. Why did James, why did I say that the epistles are the epitome of scriptural revelation? Kenneth Hagin said something very interesting. He said he has read the epistles more than he has read any other part of the Bible. Why? You know, the first time I read it, I was like, what, what are you saying, Kenneth Hagin, sir? But the reason why that is important is because he said that the epistles were the only parts of the Bible that were written to the church. Are you with me? Are you aware Exodus was not written to the church? Exodus is part of the 
by it we may have hope, we can learn. But the parts of scriptures that were written to people who have the Holy Ghost are the epistles. The people who are the people who were post-resurrection, like you and I, were the epistles. Let me show you a verse of scripture. Um, John, let's use John. Turn your Bible to John. Look at verse 12. John 16. Verse 12. Are you there? It says, I have yet many things to say. Now, this is after Jesus had been saying many other things. He now said, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. A lot of people read this verse and they think that Jesus is talking to them. Who was he talking to here? Who was he talking to here? Come on. Now, you need to consider at this time had he died, did they have the Holy Ghost? So, okay, this will lead me to another scripture. So he says, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. 13, how be it when he the spirit of truth is come. When did the spirit of truth come? Talk to me now. After he resurrected, he shed forth the Holy Ghost. Are you here? He said, how be it when the spirit of truth is come? He will what? Guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he shall what? Show you the things to come. A lot of people think that these things to come is indefinite. So, you know, uh, how many of you have used this verse for exam? Raise your hand. The question, the Holy Ghost will show you the questions. Raise your hand now. Uh, uh, don't be shy. I said everybody's not putting their hand down. You know. Or he will show you the future. Something like that. Now, when Jesus was talking to them here, He meant something specific. You cannot separate the things to come from when the Spirit comes. Are you with me? You cannot separate the things to come from when. So when it says, when it says, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Verse 14. Look at this. Verse 14 is now explaining the things to come that he's going to show. Are you with me, please? Please remember, feel free to interrupt me and ask questions anytime. It says, he shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. I don't know how you people read this and say Jesus is not God. He said, all things the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine. And what? Show it unto you. So, why did Jesus say this? When he said, I will show you the things to come, he didn't mean this indefinitely. The things to come were not things. Can the Holy Ghost show you the future? Yes. But is that what Jesus was talking about here? No. 
When he said he will show you things to come, he meant something specific. I know we're in Birmingham, but are you with me now? He will show you things to come. Sorry, because of my Bible people, we are in Anufem Neku. He will show you things to come. And the things to come were specific things. They were things that will glorify Jesus. So listen, the primary ministry of the Holy Ghost is to reveal Christ. Now, when Jesus said this, this has been fulfilled. Where was it fulfilled? 1 Corinthians 2. I know Bible. Hey, God. 1 Corinthians 2. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 1. 1. Let's use 1. I think it's 1. Is it 1? I, made, I know I made a mistake. No, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2. Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians 2. Mm-hmm. Look at this. It says, okay, beautiful. Look at this. Let's read from verse 1. So if you understand this, this verse for the first time today, he said, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For 1 Corinthians 2, 1. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and what? Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in what? Yes. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. Please read on. A lot of people read that and assume they know what that verse means. Don't stop there. Read on. He said, how be it we speak wisdom among you, among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes to come that, of the princes of this world that come to naught. Verse 7. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which what? God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, for they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Hold on. What Paul is saying here basically is that there is a mystery that if they had known, they would not have crucified Christ. So what he's basically telling you now is that the fact that Christ was crucified that mystery is known. Are you with me? So it's no longer a what? Mystery. So read on. It says, but, but, verse 8, Abby? No, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that, the things that God had what? Prepared for them that love him. A lot of people stop there and say, I had not seen. Ah, he had not. Ah, you don't serve. You know, they stop there. But yes, may God do such wonders in your life. Ah, amen. Because yeah. just they play. <laughs> may God do such wonders in your life. Yeah. But that verse is not saying that. What eyes have not seen, yes, and neither has he entered into him has, is what he has prepared. So, eyes have not seen. Because if we put that in a material context, what car is God going to give you that eyes have not seen? He 
He's here. They never exactly. The people will go be that. They don't see him now. What will he do for you that ear has not heard? Except God gives you 1,000 calabosh in cash. Where you go and spend it, what is this? Because ear had not heard that kind of currency before. So, read carefully, please. Look at what he says. Let's read again. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Look at verse 10. Ah, when you see but in the Bible, it's very interesting. It says, but God. But God has what? Revealed them to us by... Are you seeing what they could not bear? What they could not bear? Those are the things that what? Those, what they could not bear uh, um, and the spirit of God was going to reveal. You know, he will reveal the things to come. Those things have now come. Those things that were a mystery, follow the train of thought. Those things that were a mystery are now revelation. Ah. Those things that were a mystery are now revelation. Those things that were to come have now come. Are you here? He says, He says, But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searched all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12, He said, Now we have received not the Spirit of this world. But the spirit which is of God. Ah, that we might know the things of God that are what? Freely given to us. So, they didn't have the Holy Ghost then. But now the spirit of truth that guides us into all truth dwells in us. That's why we can hold the things of God. And that's why you need to understand that Bible study is a spiritual activity. A lot of people hold this thought that prayer is deeper than Bible study. Prayer is, but you need to understand that to grasp the revelation of God, it takes the Spirit. Praise the Lord. It takes the Spirit. He says, he says, ah, it's interesting. What was a mystery is now freely given. Are you here? That's what he, he, he says in this verse. So what was a mystery, basically, is now what? Freely given. Look at verse, verse uh, 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I think NLT says communicating spiritual truth with spiritual words. Am I correct? It's not there. Okay. Look at verse 14. He says, but the natural man received not the things of the spirit of God. That's why Jesus told them you cannot bear it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He says, but the natural man receives not the 
things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet himself is judge of no man. For, for who had known the mind of God that he may instruct him, but we have, but we have the what? Mind. When the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, it doesn't mean you can't read for your exam. The mind of Christ here simply means that we understand. We are like, we are spiritual men. We are not natural men. We can handle and we understand the revelations of Christ. Do you get this? So, what the Spirit was going to communicate, what, what was a mystery is what the Spirit has communicated. And what exactly has the Spirit communicated? The Spirit glorifies Jesus. The primary ministry of the Holy Ghost was to reveal Christ. And that's what we see here. Okay? Um, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at this. It says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given me to you, word, how that by what? Revelation. Are you with me? Oh? How that by what? He made known unto me the what? Mystery. Are you seeing those words? He said, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when you read, you may what? Understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Hold on. The people he was talking to, they were not natural men. That's why he can write it and he expects them to read and understand. A lot of us approach Bible study very faultily. We approach Bible study with a mindset that these things are too lofty for me. They are too high for me. But Paul said that when you read, you may what? Understand. They were written so that you will what? Understand. Now, all things are revealed. You can't say, there are things I want to teach, but it's a mystery. <laughs> you are playing with grace. It's a mystery. You, are, you need to step into this gaze before you touch these things. No, sir. Is he a natural man or a spiritual man? If he's a spiritual man, he can access that mystery. And that's why Paul prayed. And that's why prayer works hand in hand with Bible study. Because Paul said that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. That you may what? No. He prayed that they will know. And then he wrote down the mystery for them. So he prayed that they will know. Then taught them. So if you, if you, it doesn't matter how much you pray for light. If you pray for light and don't study the word or go where the word is taught, you will still remain in darkness. If you just study the word alone and don't pray, light will not dawn on you. Paul prayed and wrote it that they will understand it. So ladies and gentlemen, hear ye the word of the Lord. What I'm trying to say basically is when you read, what Paul said is that when you read, you might understand. At the end of revelation for the spiritual man is understanding. Praise the Lord. Am I saying too much? Am I saying too much? Nobody's answering me now. Some people are still looking at me. We don't know if it's yes or no. Am I saying too much? Please answer. I think it's primary school that's taught us. Do you understand? Whether we not, just be quiet. I'm talking to you, yes, sir. Please answer. Yes. As I wrote into you a few words, whereby when you read, you may what? understand my knowledge in the what? 
mystery of Christ. Look at verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the what? As it is now what? Revealed unto his what? Holy apostles and prophets. How? How? At the Gentiles bow. Verse, verse 5. He said, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the what? Holy prophets and apostles by the what? Are you seeing the fulfillment of what Jesus said? When the spirit of truth is come, he will do what? He will do what? Did the disciples become the apostles? Answer me now. Did the disciples become the apostles? Were Jesus' words literally fulfilled? Was it not by the same spirit that the apostles and prophets came into the same truths? So, look at what Paul says. He says, verse 6, he says that the Gentiles should be what? Fellow heirs and same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Basically, the, what was declared mystery is now revelation. And these things were preached by the apostles. So, when we read the letters of the apostles, huh? the letters of the apostles were the revelation Christ promised. Are you here? The letters of the apostles were the what? Revelation Christ promised. So, when we read that revelation, we are like, my goodness. It does the height. Nothing in the Old Testament, according to what Paul says, the Old Testament was still mystery. Are you with me? And that's why the old, I think it's Augustine that said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And that's why the, old, the New Testament explains some things in the Old Testament. As in the New Testament, you see, like we were reading our commentary on uh, Romans chapter 4, you see he said, he was quoting David when he said, blessed is the man whose sins are not, who the Lord will not remember his sins and iniquities. Are you here? Hallelujah. Ah, ye kaparado se tekeminaha. Man, ne, ne, the retreats next year. Let me let me read. Should I read some of the topics I have? Yes. So some of the topics I have, I will retreat next year. I'm just thinking if the time will be enough. I'll be teaching on. We'll be comparing Christianity and Islam side by side. A lot of people don't know that Muslims are trained in polemics against Christianity. That's why Muslims worldwide, if you've encountered them, they will ask you the same questions. Because according to Ahmed Zidat, Zakir Naik, all those guys, they are Muslim apologists that train Muslims to say the same things to Christians. But you see some Christians, you still think, you know, we're having the same unity of the faith. Hey, God. <laughs> Should be somebody sang, Oh, then somebody now came and said, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. You're not Minister Lati. Uh, you've not seen it. You've not seen it. I saw it. I say, waiting they happen. This mercy that's holding this body of Christ. Somebody said, Wow. He said, I love when you shake religious minds. I said, You are in trouble. You don't know. Just they play. Just they play. They play. So, 
Somebody said that, and someone rightly said, she said, Don't, there's only one God. Please pay attention to me. She said, there's only one God. We serve one God. Keni, keni, kaho, and all that. But do you know, the Muslim will tell you, I know Jesus. We all serve the same Jesus. Paul said, if anybody preach any other Christ, it means that there are all kinds of Jesuses. In Mormonism, Jesus is one of the many gods. In Islam, Jesus is a prophet. In many Christian cults, Jesus is many things to many people. But in Christianity, he is God. He died for our sins and rose again. If you want to check out the Nicene Creed, he was begotten, not made. Begotten, not made. Co-eternal, co-equal. He was begotten, not made. Are you with me, please? So, you know, she, she was somebody out of curiosity was asking, and she was saying that, um, how do we, that there's only one kind of God. Da, da, da. Somebody now answered her, I said, in the spirit of learning, are we talking about a God, are we talking about the God who does, who does not beget, neither is begotten, who has no sons, that's the God in Islam. Allah has no sons. Muslim means servant. But we are sons of God. Are we talking about the same God who does not die for sins, neither does not let another person die for another person's sins? Or are we talking about the one who died for our sins? Do they sound like the same God? They are not. And that's just a surface answer. That's a surface answer. See, when a lot of people say we serve the same God, is ignorance speaking. Sincerely, I mean that in a, not in a harsh way. You know, Ravi Zacharias said something very important. He said all religions are superficially the same, but fundamentally different. You know, I was in school one day and I just felt like praying. And I, I saw multi-faith centers, so I entered... And, you know, one lady saw me. She was not talking to me. She said, uh, she said, oh, I said to her, can I see the room? She now showed me one. She said, oh, this is, uh, this, you know, if you just want to meditate. I said, I want to pray. If I pray here the way I'm feeling now, you will report me to student council. <laughs> so let me, let me just go back to my classes. I had a, a latter class. I said, let me just go out. That's just on a lighter note. But the truth is, don't be deceived. The fact that we have multiple multi-faith centers. We're not saying, the fact that we all preach, we all say love, nya, 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 nya. We all saying, we all preach, we are the world, kumbaya. We see. <laughs> we are not saying the same things. We are not saying the same things. So, especially in the West, very biased. So, a Muslim can say what he likes about Jesus. But if I say my own, it's religious violence. Something's wrong with all of you. <laughs> it's religious violence. A Muslim can say his own, but I can't say my own. You know, <laughs> I saw a boy who was born in 2003. First of all, it's a mystery that people were born after 2000. <laughs> you follow, no vex. So when I was born in 2000, okay, and, and? <laughs> so he said, he said, yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm good, yeah? 
He said, how old are you, man? I said, if I tell you, you will not believe. You will not believe. He said, oh, try me. He said, whoa. He said, you don't look it, man. I said, it's good genes. An endless life. So he's a Muslim. So I, I can't see you and not preach to you. You must know Jesus. You must know this Jesus. I met a babe at the airport at Istanbul when I was coming back. You know, and I saw her. She was, she was very distressed. So I helped her and everything. After I help you, you must hear this Jesus. I helped you. You did not fight me. And I want to preach. You say, excuse me. Thunder. <laughs> so I saw at the airport. I will finish. So I just said, uh-huh. so what happens when you die? <laughs> she said, uh, I don't, um, she said, you see, the thing is just very, actually, we should do reels. Let's do reels, actually. She was saying, I don't really know. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had questions, but I always think, so I just, I just preached the gospel to her. I said, all right, all right. Don't forget your plane. Don't forget your plane. I shall preach to you. The seed has been sown. So I saw this, I saw this guy in 2000, this guy that was born in 2003. And I said, are you, so I saw him check something on TikTok, Prophet Mohammed S-A-W. And I said, are you Muslim? He said, yeah, man. Born and raised. He said, I said, okay. And I said, and I said, I want to have a conversation with you, but I don't want to offend you. He now said, oh, no, 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 it's fine. So he started asking questions. So we started talking about the gospel. I said, he said, you know, I, I say some things and I might, he might, he was saying I might offend you too. I said, trust me, everything you want to say, I know. He said, oh, okay. Uh, he said, you know, some of, I said, you probably want to say the books were corrupted. He said, oh, yeah. I said, you learned it from Ahmed Didat and Zakir Naik. He said, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's only us. We are, only, we are the only ones that are preachers of peace. Everybody is fighting us. Uh, you, must, you know, that's the good thing where I'm Birmingham. Nobody will obtain me. I came out by 2 a.m., you know, with someone. He said he wanted to take a walk. So I, I woke up around midnight. So I said, let's take a walk. He came out. So we're, as, as we're not walking, I said, let's pray. We, we prayed from city center. We walked down. We walked to Aston University. Came back and prayed. And by spirit, I was seeing that we were spreading incense in the city. I don't really know what that means. Specifically, I have an idea. But I don't specifically, I know that we were spreading incense around the city and we we're praying. And as I've deviated from my sermon a little, but pay attention. As we we're praying, you know, I realized, I just knew that these things are important. You know, we took prayer walks around this. It's not, this is not a yaba. No, as it's not that you are taking prayer walks. You are, shh, shh, wambi. They say, wambi. He say, fine boy, how are you? That's it. I said, man, I see that your phone. If you talk too much, next thing you hear, swa! your right eye is not working again. So, but I walked, we prayed, we prayed around, we prayed. Some white guys, and that's the thing about white people, they mind their business. As we are speaking in tongues, they just passed. They probably thought we were speaking one African language. We're not praying now, we're moving. They walked around. I'm sure there's a Nigerian that saw us, I'm sure in his mind. Say, I brought this nonsense here again. But I was like, you must collect Jesus. You too. You will collect. So we prayed, and then we came back. Because it bothers me that many people here, many of the revivals you read, many of them came from here. Smith Wigglesworth, um, the Wesley twins, and the Wesley brothers, Charles and John, Jonathan Edwards. Solid. These guys were not just holy, they were strong theologians. I was reading a book by Wesley Duell, 
um, Jonathan Edwards actually preached in Northampton. He preached, and I'm like, ah, and these people are behaving anyhow. I was preaching to someone, and then as I was preaching, you need to evangelize. Oh. Everybody must be involved in personal evangelism. And street, street evangelism is noble, but I don't think it works. When I say street, I mean standing on the street and holding microphone. It can work, but I don't think it's really effective. The best kinds of evangelism are one-on-one. Let's talk. Let's have time to talk. The one where we will both sit down and have solid conversations. Everybody must be involved. I was talking to this lady, you know, she's, she's Polish. All right? She's Polish. And then as I was preaching to her, she was telling me, she said, no, I don't go to church. I don't do, um, let's close the doors for a bit. She said, I don't, I don't, I don't, the heat is escaping. Let's close the doors for a bit. She said, I don't go to church. I don't do um, the Bible. I don't believe all those things. She said, I believe the Bible was written by men. Um, I believe, uh, I think she talks I believe the Bible was written by men. I, uh, um, you know, I don't do church all those things, you know. So we, we now started talking. And she said, I said, but do you believe there's a God? She said, she, I said, so you're atheist? She said, yes. So I said, do you believe there's a God? She said, oh, no, uh, yes, I believe there's something out there. Then she now began to talk about new age experiences. You know what new age is? New age is Eastern mysticism and all those things. And she began to talk. And she said, she was talking about the Asemota as, as or Asema register, something like that. And she said, if I say these things, I begin to look crazy. I say, oh, trust me. There's nothing you will say now that I, I thought I probably have experienced stranger things. She said, oh, okay. So she shared some. I said, don't worry. So if you share yours, I'll share mine. So I wanted to bring her on a plain level where we can both talk on a personal level before, you know, we start talking. You know, the next time we speak, we'll enter apologetics. Before we speak, so she, she now started talking. She now started sharing how she went to a place. The guy was, the, you know, she went to a place. The witch was telling her some things. Was telling her things about herself. I was saying that, oh, uh, her mom. She said, oh, the, the witch saw one of, one of her. The witch was saying, oh, I'm seeing something around you. You have a guardian angel. I said, of course, devils. Anyways. She said, she said, you have a guardian angel. The guardian angel is, it's a woman. She said, uh, but I see, she said it was one of your, and as she said it, I heard grandma. She said, it's one of, she now said it's one of my grandmas, but I was like, is, I don't know, I have two. And I said, it's your mom's mom. She said, oh, yes. So she just kept on talking. You know that thing when somebody keeps on talking? Like, hmm? <laughs> so she just kept on talking, and another thing, and she just talked and all, and she said, oh, yeah, okay. So another one, she started the story. I finished it for her. She was like, hmm. So she now said, she said, okay, I'm done with it. She said, how do you know? I said, so I'm a brand of Christian that is called charismatic. We flow in the thing. There's something called the word of knowledge, ma. I can know your phone number, ma. <laughs> so she, she said, anyways, next supernatural class, we're going to be practicing the things of the spirit. Each person. It's not, it's not just going to be me. Each person. All right, so I'll teach on those things and we move. So, she was saying what she was saying, and then she said, you know, she grew up in church, she practiced all the sacraments and everything, but left church. There are many of them that, that's how they are, they grew up Catholic. So, they were practicing rituals. They didn't know God. And many people are angry at a God they don't know. 
And that's why, sincerely, I'm going to be very humble as I say this. I get very upset when I hear what some ministries in the UK are preaching. I'm like, this world, this state is dying. And let me not get angry. So I was preaching to her. I said everything we needed to say. And then she was now talking. And she now said, so I've shared mine, shared yours. So I now shared a few. Just talking to her and whatnot. And I was just telling her. So I was teaching, you know, a while back. And an angel entered my room. And she was like, she was like, oh, wow, wait, how did you see them? <laughs> I said, you know, so there's something we call visions. And as they explained, I wanted to meet her on a supernatural level before I now talk to her about apologetics. How the Bible is not falsified. And everything. So I, I explained to her and she was like, sure. <laughs> as I was talking to her, she said, oh, I feel goosebumps. I said, you never start. I said, if I, if I lose the power of God on you now, you'll be on the floor. <laughs> she said, she said, why? I feel goosebumps. I said, mm. we need more people who know Jesus, who can defend why they believe what, what, who can defend what they believe, and who can show why they believe what they believe. The UK is a smuggish board of religious thoughts. People believe in, there are black Hebrew, black Israelites here. Have you met them before? There are black Israelites here. There are Muslims. Muslims are very evangelical in the UK. There are Muslims here. There are many other people here. TikTok is discipling a generation. There's a, the way there's tech, Twitter, football, Twitter, there's witch talk. No cap. There's witch talk where they teach them about um, crystals, teach them about um, candles, teach them about uh, tarot card readings, their angels. Me, I made up, I said that one day, if there's ever a festival where they do that, I'll go and buy a stand. I'll, I'll just call it spiritual readings. Let's do word of knowledge. So you know, you know, say, how did you know that I say there's a man called Jesus? He died. You collect or you know you collect nonsense. <laughs> but anyways, listen, I said that to say this. There's a world dying and we can't not care. That's why this teaching I'm doing is so important. The most, can I tell you something? If you come for a Christian gathering and the word of God is not taught, the power of God just moves, you were cheated. I can come to this meeting, I'm person to person. I just begin to say, thus say the Lord. This, this, this. I see this, this. Uh, I just allow be holding the mic. Prophesy. Enter the spirit. Enter the mic, man of God. You know, you know, and I'll just collect one nickname. The brown eagle of the UK. You know, and I'll now say, wherever you are now, wherever you now, get a seed and put it on my feet. Some people like, they only like to give when they want to be swindled. That's it. They only like the, that's when they give. I say, put it on my feet to connect to grace. <laughs> so that's why these teachings are important. I don't mean to sound harsh, but me, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> many of our parents and our parents' age mates are in bondage to prophets. They're in bondage to prophets. 
When you want to marry, because the person you want to marry doesn't have a car, when they show the prophet, you say, ah, it's not it. Prophet that is hungry. He says, it's not it. How long? Do you know how many prophets have put family in bondage? Every time his children want to pay school fees, he will call. He says, I saw. You need to send us money to do spiritual work for you. Are you a native doctor, sir? There, do you know? See, oh Jesus. Sorry, I've deviated from my message. Oh. I'm going to come back. Christ is still the message of scriptures. But I used to say something. I realized that the Bible says to us very clearly Abraham, the, you know, the, um, when Abraham built an altar and offered sacrifices, that was where Jacob, right, his grandson, came back and took one of the stones, arguably, one of the stones from the altar and used as a pillow. Your devotion can build something for your children. So when we say pray, you're not helping me. You know, when we tell people, come and pray, come for meetings, come for things like this, you say, I don't know, I'm really busy. You where they try help. You know, I went to renew camp, to reboot camp, to renew my jazz. Amen. Amen. I went to reboot camp. An apostle said something very profound. He said, protocol, when we're, because we always pray long in the morning session. He said, anybody that wants to sleep, leave them. Leave them. Because I know that there are many things my children are saved from because I know God. Many things. There are many, because I have answers from scriptures. When my children come and say, so, you know, there's something that a, um, a, what's his name? A child came back from school. And when the child came back from school, hold on, are we recording this audio? When a child came back from school, he asked his dad, he said, why don't we allow, basically, why don't we allow same-sex attraction? Why don't we, um, you know, accept it. He just, the father just asked him, you know, the Bible says so, gave him one answer. But really, what the child was asking was why do we hold on to what the Bible says as true? Are you with me? It was not really about the same-sex attraction. Of course, the, ch- the child knows that the Bible, but why? Why do we hold on to the Bible as true? In this generation, there are questions our children was, uh, will ask us. There are questions we had our parents couldn't answer. Am I saying the truth or not? There are questions we had our parents. So there are questions we have that we must be able to answer scripturally and why we believe scripture. We must hold on to it as true. Godliness is still profitable unto all things. I've always been saying this. My children will hear tongues before they know tongues. Someone said something very profound. He said, there is no junior Holy Ghost. As soon as they can talk, lay hands on, be filled with the Spirit. Everybody can be a priest in the home. It doesn't have to be the man. Everybody, everybody. Male, female, everybody. Everybody should hear God. In this wicked world. In this wicked world, everybody must hear God. 
Everybody must know. You must be able to pick in your spirit. I know this is what God wants to do for my family. Am I talking here? I know this is what God will do for my family. I know this is what God wants to do. I know this is, this is where, this is what God is saying about my family right now. In this world that is full of distractions, we can't hold the thoughts for long. Because we are used to the dopamine hit from social media. How many of you have been on Instagram before you knew it? Raise your hand. I'm here. Raise your hand. You picked your phone to do something, but you ended up on Instagram. You started from notes and ended on Instagram. And just like that, two hours has gone. Do you know how dangerous it is? That, let's use a, tic, a TikTok video is 30 seconds. Or when reels used to be 30 seconds to one minute, right? If you are just watching reels, you know, you finish, it goes to another one, you finish, it goes to another one. If it keeps going like that, you will enter places where you don't know. And you've watched one minute videos, one hour has passed. Are you aware you've consumed 60 videos? Are you aware? I was, talk, I was talking to someone. He was saying how the person was even that made me see it. He said he was watching 30 seconds video on TikTok and they were just going. They were just going then. 30 seconds video. And two hours had gone. I said, hold on. Hold on. You have watched 240 videos. And one thing I've realized is, see, home training is good, but there are some things home training cannot do. Many of us are saved and serious with the Lord, not because of home training, but because God caught us. <laughs> Am I talking or not? Talk to me now. True or not? My parents did their best, though, but it's the Holy Ghost that held me. If not, I would have been in trouble. So, listen, especially, oh God, that's, anyways, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. How did I get here? Thank you. The retreat for next year, I'm going to be teaching on Islam and Christianity. We're going to be doing apologetics. Why am I not a Muslim? Being a, I'm not a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home. I'm not a fool. I started asking about Christianity in my 200 level. How do I know this thing is true? And if I found out it was not true, I will not do it again. Why am I a Christian? First Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Why do you believe this? Because our children will ask these questions. How many of you asked your parents question and they just said, because we just, it's our family culture, we just do it. That's not an answer, sir. We're going to be teaching on Jehovah's Witnesses. Comparing Orthodox Christianity with Jehovah's Witnesses. What do they believe? We're going to be looking at a little bit of their historical, this thing. And you see this Jehovah's Witness one, we will do practice. I will tell everybody to do assignment. If you are looking for Jehovah's Witness, go to your city center. They always have stand. Those guys are, are an example to every believer in two things. Consistency of doctrine and evangelism. Whether you live in Morovia, they will knock on your door. 
Even Mormons, they do something. When you turn 18, they send you on missions to another nation. That's why they are that spread. Mormons that began at six in 18 something, today they are about 12 million. You see? 12 million people propagating falsehood. You see? Any question? How did you not become a Mormon anymore? The Lord saved you. Because I know they excommunicate you and whatnot when you turn around. Your parents, are they still Mormon? Ah. The Church of the Latter Day of Jesus Christ. Church of the Latter Day Saints of Jesus Christ. He was a Jehovah's Witness. This one, they excommunicate. They excommunicate steady. But can I also tell you something? These two sects, one lower bastard, they have money. Book of Bible story. Inside, Jesus is an archangel. But they will give your children for free. Very deep background, yellow. The embossed this thing is red. The quality. I mean, these materials they are handing out for free. They are because... The people that believe in the message, you are not telling an average believer, give for the cause of the God. My money is my money. You cannot steal from me. I'm the one that knows what I'm doing my money to do. We don't know how to stand behind the cause, but we say, God will move. How? How will he move? Keep it on, please. We're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, for many of these religious practices, we're going to look at their historical precedence. Then we're going to look at them from, so we're going to look at them apologetically from history, and then we're going to look at them from uh, scriptures. So we're going to compare scriptures, we're going to compare. You know there are many Christian calls. There are even believers who are the grail message. You know worldwide, they say we are how many Christians? Three billion? Two, three billion thereabouts. And in that, they count Jehovah's Witness. They count Mormons. They count Grail Message. They count all of us. All of us. They count, they count everybody. Catholics, everybody. Catholics, well, I don't know. If a Catholic believes that Jesus died, rose again, and he's God, he's saved. So, he's saved. So, they count everybody. Islam, Jehovah's Witness, Calvinism. How many of us know what Calvinism is? Okay, it's good. It's good you don't know. Hear it first from me. Because when you meet them, they will scatter your mind. And there are verses of scriptures that must be properly explained. Mm-hmm. Seven-day Adventist. Uh-huh. Mormons. Mormonism. The Zaydgist theory. How many of us know what the Zaydgist theory is? The Zaydgist theory is this thing that says that the... Um, mythos of Jesus was gotten from supporting myths or surrounding myths. So they say Jesus, the story of Jesus was gotten from Dionysius. The story of Jesus was gotten from uh, many of these guys. You know, they name a couple of gods, a couple of Greek gods. And they say, well, most likely, Anyone that copied from Jesus, Jesus was most, the story of Jesus was way older than their stories. So if anything, 
for some of them. If anything, they copied from Jesus. And number two, small research will show you that many of these things are funded by bias and it's not true. People just saw Da Vinci Code and say it must be true. It's not true. See, let me tell you, Christianity is reliable. Because many people that became Christians, in fact, many of the strongest apologists we have today, they started searching out Christianity to debunk it. And the evidence they found was so overwhelming that they became Christian. For example, Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell and his son now is an apologist. Sean McDowell works in Biola University. His own daughter now, that's Sean, Sean McDowell's daughter, that's Josh's granddaughter, she dabbles into apologetics too. You know, of course, we have Ravi of blessed memory. We have um, Lee Strobel. He was trained to be a journalist and a lawyer. If you are trained to be a lawyer, you are trained in skepticism. You now add journalism to it. Uh, he started searching out Christianity because his wife, his wife, they got married as agnostic. His wife was agnostic. He was atheist. They got married. And then his wife joined the church and he began to see the change. In, because you can't encounter Jesus and not change. He began to see the change in her and the change was annoying him because he felt that Jesus was taking his wife from him. And then he began to study scriptures and as he began to study scriptures, what he, he, he began to study into Christianity to debunk Christianity, to pull his wife out of the cult or the lies that she has believed. But at the end of his book and at the end of his story, he says the evidence he found was so compelling that he knew that it would take more faith to be an atheist than it would take to be a Christian. This world is so organized that it is folly to believe an explosion happened and everything came to be. The sun is just the right distance away from the earth to ripen your tomato. A little too close, it will, it will be unhospitable. A little too far. I think it's Jupiter. Jupiter basically acts as a vacuum cleaner, sucking out debris from space, stopping it from crashing into the earth. And when you look at the solar system, your DNA, if your DNA was going to be written out in a book, it's going to be written out in, a, a, in books that are about that are millions of pages. Your DNA. Yet, I'm, a, I'm right, I'm a ducky. Thank you. Yet, somebody now says everything came by accident. Accident. And then, when did explosion ever bring order? When did chaos ever birth order? He said it just happened. No, no. If the order in the if the world is so orderly, it has to take someone who is outside of it to create it. Chaos cannot bring this world to be. Have you seen a butterfly bloom? Or during spring, you know, you see all these, these things that have died. They came out. You now see an explosion caused it to be. A, okay, a big bang happened. What banged it? Even if, if there's a way you can argue the big bang and you say, well, well if you agree that God said, let there be light, eh, no problem. How did I get here? The Zedgis theory. We're going to talk a little bit about how we got our Bible. And we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, validating the resurrection. So historical and apologetic proof that Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason we are doing that is because... The reason we are doing that is because Jesus 
Ah, it's almost time for break. But I'm waiting for when they come back, we'll go on break. The reason we are doing all these things is because, ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection is the crux of Christianity. If you debunk the resurrection, Christianity is a lie. And that's why Paul said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, of all men, we are what? Most miserable. You know, and that's why we are doing this retreat, so that you can sit down with God's word. That's why we are doing our discipleship meeting, so that you can, because the average Jehovah's Witness, they know the same Bible, but they, did this, they use the same words, but a different vocabulary. So from your Bible, they will show you something else. And the believer will say, mm, you have a point. I see where you are coming from. They are coming from nowhere, sir. And that's why every other religion, every other Christian cult, they have an extra book. Mormons, they have the pearl of great price. Um, the kinder hook, something. The book of Mormon, they, you know, they have about four other books, four books, including their translation of the Bible. You know, Jehovah's Witness, they have the New World Translation. And all that stuff. So, you know, there's something I'm saying. See? Ah. There's a lot to say. But let me go back to my items. There's a reason we are learning these things. is because Jesus must be known. With every knowledge that you don't know, someone has less hope. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? Someone has less, less hope with everything you don't know. Because on your tongue is to be the answer for somebody else. The answer for their... Why are you a believer? What did Jesus come to do? What did Jesus come to do? A lot of people don't still know what the gospel is. What did Jesus call Jesus came? And they mean it sincerely, but they don't just... A lot of people believe Jesus came so that we'll be rich. That's not true. When the Bible says he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. The poverty there was not um, material. The poverty there was figurative of the state of our soul. So God, who, was, who is all-powerful, became a man. That's poverty. So that we, through his humility, might become, might step into true riches. That's wealth. If Jesus, be, if Jesus came so that we would be wealthy, then you, must, then you better believe that we have no message to preach to the rich. We have no message to preach to the rich. What will you tell Aliko Dangote? What does he need? He said, Dango, baby, Jesus died, so you might be rich. He said, leave Jesus, come. Let me change your story. Anything God did in the Old Testament is not the reason Jesus came. If people got wealthy in the Old Testament, Jesus didn't come to make us wealthy. If God healed in the Old Testament, Jesus didn't come so that he will heal our sickness. Even though in the name we can trust for healing. Even though we can, I believe God prospers men. Believe it though. Hmm. 
God prospers men. No. I will never say that God does not prosper men. That day, I will lie. God prospers men. I know it. Ah, the owner of the cattle upon a thousand hill. Supplies is nothing for him. Are you here? Anyway, see, knowing Jesus is knowing God. Praise the Lord. Alishola, you are too close. No, just zoom out. Zoom out with the camera. Don't move the camera back. Knowing Jesus is what? Bami sorrow. Knowing Jesus is what? Knowing Jesus is knowing God. And that's why you must stick with the knowledge of Christ as revealed in scripture. I used to tell people, you see, doctrine is a barrier. Is a guardrail, better still. Doctrine is a guardrail. If you don't stand with doctrine, all right? If, um, I used to say the realm of the spirit is a very open place. A lot of people think that the realm of the spirit is just angels carrying briefcase, walking up and down. They are evil spirits. There's everything working. But when you have doctrine as a boundary, you act properly, you pray properly, you know why you pray, you know how to pray, you know what to believe about God. That's why Jesus, they had another knowledge of God, but Jesus would say, um, Moses said, but I say. That's why James is going to tell us, he said he is good and in him is no variableness, no shadow of turning. So when we look through scripture and it seems like God is evil, we need to check again to be for a better explanation. Are you guys with me at all? We need to check again for a better explanation. Because knowing God Knowing Jesus is not, he's the effulgence of his glory, he's the express image of his person. Hebrews 1 3, like we read earlier. The things that Jesus did were the things that God is doing. What Jesus did in a situation is what God will do in a situation. Do you know? Jesus saw the woman that was an I mean, you see this verse of scripture that the Bible says that um, they went to a city and they said, Call down fire. And Jesus said, You know not. Of what spirit you are of. It means that, and they, they say, call down scripture, as the scripture says. It means that they were referencing Elijah. They were referencing somewhere in scriptures. And Jesus said, you don't know the kind of spirit you are. The spirit we have is a gentle spirit. But first of all, are you aware if they called down fire? Are you aware fire would have come? We are of a gentle spirit. Why? What does that tell you? The things of the spirit can be used against the nature of the spirit. That's why Paul, after telling them about the things of the spirit, even though they are bounded in things of the spirit, he taught them about love and about conduct. Because the things of the spirit can be used carnally. Praise the living Jesus. The things of the spirit can be what? Used carnally. They can. They can be used carnally. And that's why, that's why we do teachings. So that we don't just teach people about the things of the Spirit. We teach them the how to handle the things of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus said, Jesus basically taught all those things. 
I don't want to go into another thought and break in the middle. Anyways, Jesus. So, Job 42 5, like we read, I have heard about you from the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. You see, when Jesus saw the woman that was caught in adultery, they wanted to stone her according to the laws of Moses. But Jesus said, they brought Jesus. Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And Jesus told her, woman, where are your accusers? He said, neither do I accuse you. He now said, go and what? Sin no more. He told her, go and sin no more. And she picked. Now, it means that even if what Jesus did was God's disposition to that matter. Are you aware? So, what is God's disposition to sin? Don't sin no more. Because he has blood bought you, you don't stay in sin. And for a lot of people, the word is not enough. That's why we get into trouble. We are looking, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it said, don't, uh, so much you find that verse for me, don't think of men highly above that which is written. So, a lot of people, truth is determinant on who says it. Let God be true. No, men, men can be wrong. Don't be the kind of believer that they ask, but the Bible says, and they say it rightly exegeted. Then you will not say even though. The Bible says but. Mm-mm, no but. If the Bible says it rightly exegeted, the word is always correct. I can be wrong. Anybody can be wrong, but the word is always correct. Are you here? So, so listen. Kaba kabarande kebeteli kabahas. You know, I was talking to somebody. She was telling me, oh, she was talking about all her things that she's going through. Uh, She said, what if God has just changed me (laughs) in his plan for my life? Because, you know, she had probably not been consistent and all. See, false doctrine is dangerous, though. It's harmful. Why people don't know the nature of God? It hurts. I'll do an explicit teaching on the nature of God eventually. When people don't know the nature of God, it hurts. So, she was saying, what if God, I said, God still has a plan for you. She said, how do you know, sir? I said, the word says so. And she was now telling me, eh, um, but David, Saul was exchanged for David, da, 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 and all. I said, are you coming for a retreat? She said, she can't come. I said, see, you have my trial class. But I quoted it again. I said, God has a plan for you, the word says so. Why is that important? It's important, I'm not saying that to say she's wrong and to pin her down. No, 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 no. The reason I'm saying that is because God's word, when God's word says something, we hold it as true. Whether we feel otherwise or not, we hold it as true. Does the word say you are righteous? It's not a feeling, it's a fact. Even the love of God is not a feeling, it's a fact. I've I've thought that, right? John 3, 16, for God in this man has showed his love towards us. Romans um, 5 8. He said, even while we're eating as Christ died for us, Christ commended his love towards us. How did God demonstrate his love by dying? Did Jesus die on the cross? Then Jesus loves me. Whether I feel it or not, whether things are going bad or not, whether things are changing or not, did Jesus die on the cross? He loves me. That's to announce I'm releasing my song, Lens of the Cross.
on the 8th of April. Praise the Lord. It's actually a really fantastic song. The video is ready. Everything is ready. But we'll be dropping it on the 8th of April. It will be premiering on my YouTube channel by 2 p.m. that day. We'll be at... My Lagos people, we're going to be at Supernatural Class Lagos that day. So after the afternoon session, you watch it, love God, and come back for your powerful evening session. You guys are going to stream the meeting, have you? Supernatural Class Lagos. Please don't miss that meeting. Stream it. Right, to be a very powerful meeting. I'll be teaching on three important things in all three sessions. And we're going to be having such a powerful flow of the Spirit in those meetings. So please, stream those meetings. Oh, if you want to give towards the meeting, please let me know, okay? okay. Nobody's talking now. I say, okay, everybody gets quiet. Like, you not hear me. If you want to give to the meeting, reach out to me, okay? Uh, thank you. I mean, a few pounds will go a long way. Thanks to the exchange rate. <laughs> yeah, but, but the meeting, the meeting is, is a lot. I think the budget for the meeting minus my flight is about 2 million naira. That's small, actually. And I checked about it, 2,500 pounds. I say, hi, God, God, prosper us. Let triple just come and say, pastor, you know what? We'll foot the bill. He said, you can't be taking our economy. I say, I believe I receive. All you have for me. Anyways. Anyways, but my Lagos people, see you on the 8th of April, okay? Three sessions, powerful time. But what did I say? I said, the word, when the word of God is true, any other person can be wrong. If the word of God says this, rightly exegeted, even, it doesn't matter what you've held on for long, if the word of God says it, let it go down for the word's sake. Amen? Amen? So, um, let's do... I don't want to enter my topic, so you know what? I'm going to pause here and take questions. I'm actually waiting for them to come back so we can go on a short break. Okay. Let's take questions. Let's take questions. There's a mic here. Jeremiah, please hold the mic in case anybody wants to pass that. Can I have a chair? Yeah. Let's stay here. Thank you. Konisumi, konirami. Talk to Jeremiah. Somebody is raising hand now. You are wrong. Let's move on. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Go. Okay. The short form of the question is: Why is um like so? Jesus died for our sins and. In other in other religions, it's like, you know, he he didn't die for their sin, so they have to work for it. So for me, it's like, I don't have to work for it. You know, in my own might, I know that I cannot do these things. But why is that not enough? Like the fact that the like for me, I know that I can tell somebody now that for the fact that I don't have to do these works or my works will never be enough. It's, I feel like it wouldn't cut it in the explanation to somebody that this, this is the right place to be, basically. What's your question? That why is it not enough? Why is what not enough, exactly? The fact, so Jesus, Jesus died, mm-hmm. and I don't have to use my work, so I know that my work should never be enough, so I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about meeting the right quota, the law, all of that, all yeah. of that. That is like 
for somebody like me, it's like, okay, that, mm-hmm. that's great, you know. But to other people, it's not enough of an explanation. So, so why is it not enough for them? Yes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, so, let me, first of all, let me, let me tell you something. To renounce your faith, it takes a lot. Too. You know, I think I read something. It says, when your faith is attacked or questioned, the part of your brain that lights up when you are physically attacked is the same place that lights up. Ducky, is that true? So it's the same response, it's just that you're not violent. But the same, your mind is still at a lot, like, hold on, hold on. Because it seems like they're attacking a core of your... Do you know what it means for a Muslim to say they believe in Jesus as God? In Islam, you are to be killed. You are called kafir. Are you right? You are called kafir. Um, <laughs> are you not from... You are, you are from uh, this thing now. You like Alufa. You are called Kafir, meaning you are called the Kafir means um, uh, infidel, I think. <laughs> so if you are because you are called Kafir, you are an infidel. That's that's what Islam teaches. Do you understand? That's what Islam teaches. So um it's a lot. I mean, leave Islam. Do you know what it means for a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> to leave Kingdom Hall and start attending another church. First of all, they are excommunicated. It's a lot. So, why is it not enough for them? Because they've been, they've been fed something as truth all their lives. And they need somebody to... Con- Do you know Nabil Qureshi? How many of us know Nabil Qureshi? Nabil Qureshi is a, was a Christian apologist to Islam. He was a Muslim. I mean, he was born into a family that was from one of the Khalids, I think. I can't remember the name. But one of the top three families in Islam. He was born into one of them. So, his parents didn't attend his wedding. They didn't. They excommunicated him. For, ideally, you're supposed to kill him. I have people... I have a friend who he became Christian. His father went to his room with a cutlass. Or he, a friend was telling me of another friend. His father went to his room with a cutlass. He jumped from the window on the second floor. That's how he had to survive. If not, his father would have killed him. It's a thing in Islam. It's not, can I tell you something? It's not something radical Muslims do. It is a law in the Quran. Islamophobia is not a real thing. Phobia is an irrational fear. Islamophobia is a legit fear. So if you, I don't know, anyways, if you guys want to check out more content on how to engage Muslims, just go and check the Instagram page called Engaging Islam. You find content there on, by Pastor Ini. He does good, good work on it. All right. So why don't they, I don't know. But this is the thing. He took David Wood. David Wood is under Christian apologist against Islam. It took David Wood three years to convince Nabil that Christ was the way. Constant arguing for three years. For three years, it's a lot. So sometimes we need to stay on it, continue on it till it's done. Okay? All right. One more question. 
Those online, you can ask your questions. I'll, I'll hear you. The guy in the um, the leper in the Bible that God and um, that Jesus healed, and when they asked Jesus, and they were like, he was like, um, he was like that, so that he was he wasn't he, he wasn't healed before, so that Jesus can be glorified or something, something like that. It was not a leper; it was a blind man. It was a blind man. Okay, yes. So when he said, "Who sinned that this man should?" Jesus said, nobody, but so that God may be glorified. First thing you need to answer, you need to understand that when the Bible says, when Jesus Jehovah you have pressed boy. When the Bible lets us understand that, you know, nobody sinned, but so that God will be glorified. You need to understand first of all, Jesus said, when they said, who sinned? Jesus said, nobody. It means that there was a fact, and the reason they asked that was because these guys were Jews. Jews are used to, I mean, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 26, 27, 28, if you, Deuteronomy 26, 27, 28, when you sin, when you sin, these are the repercussions. But when you do well, God will do this. So, I mean, when somebody was sick, they were used to, uh, somebody, you need to understand through, revelation through scripture was progressive. Things, and that's why in the Old Testament, they would say, oh, you know, fathers did this, sons did this. But in Ezekiel, you say, let this proverb not be used again in Israel. That the fathers suffered, the fathers ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are on edge. I said, the soul of the father is mine, the soul of the son is mine, the soul that sins, it shall die. Nobody would die for the sins of another person anymore. But in Israel, they used to use that quote. You, came, you come to the Gospels and you hear Jesus said, Moses say, Moses said, but I say. Revelation through scriptures were what? Progressive. So what do we then find out? We then come to uh, Jesus. Jesus. In Jesus saying that, when they said, who sinned that, who sinned that, um, this man, and Jesus said, nobody. Jesus basically lets us understand that it was not sin that made that man blind, meaning it was not a punishment from God. And we don't see Jesus cast out any devil. Some places we clearly see Jesus cast out a devil of what? Infirmity. Are you with me? So we basically get to see that, okay, this was not Jesus. This was not a devil. So Jesus said none, but that it means that the man born blind was probably of natural circumstances. Because in, he, in Romans 8, we get to see that creation fell out of scope when man fell. Some things were introduced when man fell. So sickness, there are some, not all sicknesses are demonically caused. Some sicknesses are just because we live in a falling world. Are you with me? Because we live in a falling world, so our bodies are also broken. So we can age, we can get sick, we can die. If you don't believe me, I have, there are a few things to try. We can die, we can get injured. And that's why when Christ comes, we will get a what? New body. That's why people fall under the power because there's only so much glory this body can take. Are you with me? So, um, um, why, what happened? Jesus said nobody but that the glory of God may be revealed. Jesus did not say that he was made blind so that glory would be revealed. What was it that gave God glory? It wasn't that he was born blind. It was that he was healed. So, it was the healing that gave God. I explained that in uh, Rafa, Christ the healer. It was the healing that did what? That gave, that gave God glory. Do you understand? So, yeah, that's the answer to your question. That's the answer to your question. 
Uh, sir, I've always wondered about Pharaoh and God hardening his heart. He doesn't agree with the image Jesus painted of God. Can you please explain a bit further? So, long story short, you know, you need to understand how uh, Moses was explaining that verse of scripture. When he said, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, you know, it's a figure of speech. I can't remember what it's called now. But basically, what happened was this. Jesus said, um, Moses, he said, or basically, God said that, I'm going to Show Pharaoh by a mighty... I know Pharaoh will not let you go, but by a mighty hand. And when you read through scriptures, hardness of heart is what is called reprobacy. When the word of God no longer affects your heart. So, for example, if the gospel is preached to Barbara consistently, and she refuses the gospel, each time the gospel comes to her, her heart is hardened against that message. Are you with me? Each time it comes, her heart is hardened against that message. So her heart has consistently become... That's why um, this guy, Stephen, will say, as you hear, is anybody here called Stephen? Like a middle name. As he said, Stephen, uh, as the word of comes, God, harden not your heart. So he's basically saying, open your heart to the truth of God's word. Don't harden your heart against God's word. Are you here? He says, don't harden your heart against God's word. So, Hardness of heart basically is consistently being presented with the truth and rejecting it. Each time you reject it, your heart has become harder against that truth. How did it show up in Pharaoh's point? Simple. Pharaoh was um, one plague, you did not let them go. Second one, you didn't let them. In fact, Pharaoh's heart was consistently hardened. Why? Because um, Pharaoh's heart was consistently hardened because in fact, I think the first four plagues, his magicians could do it too. But the other ones, they couldn't do it. Six, seven, eight, nine, and God said, I will do yet one more. Ah, I love God. He said, you have taken my firstborn, which was Israel at that time. I will take your own. And then he killed all the firstborn. Pharaoh now said, you know what? He chased them out with gold and silver immediately. And they ran. Or he chased them out, they, they took gold and silver and then they went. And you, they chased them into the Red Sea. You saw sea congealed to the left. Exodus 14. Congealed to the right. I think 14, 14. But you saw a literal miracle and you chased them into a miracle. What kind of hardness is that? You know, at Reboot Camp, my man of God was speaking and he said, there's somebody here. You have been doing wickedly against a family. He's saying that the angel of the Lord has appeared to you and warned you. And you are still doing it. Ah, uh -uh. That's hardness. Do you understand? It's people like that that God kills. When God has warned you, and you say no, uh -uh. they play. That's where Paul will say that it is hard to kick against the bricks. The bricks. Praise the Lord. So, that's exactly, that's the answer to the question. So, did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Not exactly. Pharaoh consistently hardened his heart. How? With every plague. Because every plague was an opportunity for him to let the children of Israel go. But with every plague, Pharaoh's heart was consistently becoming harder against God and his will and his people. So, Pharaoh had to um, divide. I am Afro OGs. I think, I hope I've answered your question. Let me show you something. Turn your Bible to Acts 28. Acts 28. 
Did I say Acts 28? Yeah, Acts 28. Acts 28, verse, verse 23. Are you there? Acts 28, verse 23. Look at what it says. It says, And when they had appointed him a day, say a day, there came many to him. Who are they speaking about here? Of course, Paul, Right? He said, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Both out of the what? Both out of the what? And what? From morning to evening. Now, remember what we started in the beginning. This was what the apostles continually preached. Now, you know when they were preaching this, there was no book of Acts. There was no book of Acts. When they were preaching it, there was no Gospels. At this time, there was no Gospels. When Paul was preaching this, there was no, there were no epistles. The only holy books they had were the law and the what? Prophets. But from the law and the prophets, what did they teach Christ? See, when you study, when you have Bible study, the deepest things you can see are the things already revealed. Are you with me? When you have Bible study, the deepest things you can see are the things already revealed. A lot of people go to Bible study and they want to see something that is deep. They say this thing that you are saying is true but it's not. They are looking for something deeper. There is nothing deeper than what is written. Anything deeper than what is written is heresy. It's error. It's error. And that's why Paul, because he had already revealed it, he told us, read that you may what? Understand. So, sometimes a lot of people have this silly understanding to Bible study where we think that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and then a strange esoteric knowledge will come on you that is alien to scriptures. That thing is how many Christian cults came about. Are you aware? Is how many Christian cults came about. Outside the boundaries of scriptures, we are not safe. Can I say that again? Outside the boundaries of scriptures, we are not safe. We are safest within the boundaries of scriptures. So, where the word stops is where we stop. What the word says is what you say. And not just that. How the word says it is how we say it. Praise the living Jesus. How the word says it is what? How we say it. He's asking, you know, I've been discipling this young lady for a while now. And one thing, they, they know that one thing that is very important to me is not just, it's not just you repeating the things or saying what I taught you is how did you say it? What was your emphasis? Because the truth of the matter is the truth with an unhealthy emphasis will become a lie. Are you with me? Yes. Come on, example. You know, there's this argument in the body of Christ that has been as old as time. Are you saved by grace? Are you saved by works? Da da da. 
And there's a way both people, both parties can argue that both of them are wrong. You are saved by grace, unequivocally. You are not saved by works. You, you can't say you are saved by grace and not also have works. There is no, so a lot of people like to say, balance it. If it is true, it is true. So, what is the truth? The truth is you are saved by grace through faith. And at the same time, you are also his workmanship created into Christ Jesus unto good works. The whole statement is true. If you press workmanship more than you press the fact that you are saved by grace, you will birth an error. There is a way people also press grace that make people careless. And that's why they are, what they, when the apostles taught, we don't just teach what the apostles taught, we teach how they taught it. There is a way to teach on money in scriptures. You know, there's a way to teach on money, there's a way to teach on all these things and whatnot. But if you teach on it, there's a way you will teach on it, you will birth believers who are covetous and are using God as a means to an end. Because it's not just what truth is said, it is how truth is said. It's not just what truth is said, it's how truth is said. So Paul spoke to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2, he said the same things you have heard me say in front of many witnesses, commit to what? Faithful men who will teach others also. So Paul, and why, were we, why are they supposed to be faithful? Because the way it was handed over to them is the way it's supposed to be handed down. What did Paul say? Paul was speaking to Timothy. And Paul basically saying in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the gospel from verse 1 to 4, he said, the same gospel I preached as was also preached to me is what I preach to you. Christianity is a historic faith. You don't innovate. You don't invent. You discover. If you say, I will not teach you what, is, what scriptures didn't capture. Ah! I want to show you what Paul did not know. You apologize to your two legs. And you go. There is a way to... See, scriptures are holy writings. So there's a way we handle it. We handle it with care. Are you with me? We handle it with care. We handle it with care. So... um. Look at this. Acts uh, 28, like I read. He said, and when they appointed unto him, you know, he said, concerning the laws of Moses and the prophets, you know, he did that. In fact, let me even finish up on this thought. See, you shouldn't just from scriptures, you know, you can't just preach what you like from scriptures. You must preach what scripture says, how scripture says it. You can't just tell the believer, for example, I found out that when the apostles wanted to correct the believers on how they should live right when they were living wrong. Paul did not tell them, you are living wrong, you are going to hell. You may have the right intention, but preaching like that is wrong. That's not how we were taught in scriptures by the apostles to correct people that are in error. Are you with me? God is not an African father. That's not how we are taught in scriptures. How are we taught in scriptures to correct error? Very simple. Paul I mean, look at the church in Corinth. They had all manners of immorality. He had to write 2 Corinthians. Their letters were long because they had problems. 
you know, from moral issues to spiritual gift abuse to everything. Paul wrote the second one. And after teaching them, he said, okay. Um, he, he first talked talk to them and said they were saints in Christ. Then he corrected them. He said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The way you are acting is not, is not, in, is not in alignment with the nature you have received in Christ. You're supposed to act different. He explained everything to them. Then he now went back again and told them who they are in Christ. When a brother is wrong, we put his nature in front of him and tell him, this is who Christ says you are, this is what you are doing. The two of them don't match you. And because the brother is saved, he will align. Are you with me? So, in scriptures, we don't just learn the what, we learn the, the how. We don't just learn the word. And that's why scriptures must be studied academically. You must be serious. You must, you must be patient when you are approaching scriptures. You can't just read haphazardly. Any way is not a way. You must handle carefully. Are you with me? So, Paul, and that's why I said they preached from Moses, from the prophets. He was convincing them about Christ. That's why it's important to note that whoa, you can't just preach your feelings. You can't just, <clears throat> and that's why, you know, more recently, I've been very concerned with what is preached in church, in church, right? In the UK, I've been concerned with what is preached. Why have I been concerned with what is preached? Because it's not just about coming and preaching a message. Are you here? It's not just coming on Sunday and preaching a message. So you ask the average person, what did you learn in church? I was blessed. I say, what did you learn? I say, I was blessed. Such a word. What word? You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it said, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipment of the saints, so that saints will do the work of the ministry, and then the body of Christ will be edified. The church is a training ground. People are supposed to be trained in the matters of Christian doctrine in the church. What do we believe? Why do we believe? You know, Paul said, um, 2 Timothy 3, he said, the word of God is inspired of God. It is the God-breathed word. And it's profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof. The word reproof there actually means, is elencho, I think it means proof, evidence. From the word, you show why you believe what you believe. And just to answer this, you know, in a, in a very small shell. Why do we believe the Bible? Why? Simple. First of all, Jesus died. Because Jesus died and rose, we believe everything he has to say about eternal life. Jesus told us the Spirit is going to reveal things. The things that he told us they were going to be revealed, we see that they are revealed by the words of the what? Apostles and the prophets. Remember I explained that earlier. They're going to be explained by the apostles and the prophets. And scriptures also tell us, um, 2 Timothy, he said, let's read that, 2 Timothy 3. We're coming back to this, Acts 28. Three sixteen. He said, all scripture, say all scripture. Say all scripture. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, is profitable for reproof, is profitable for correction, is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Scriptures are the tool that we get 
doctrine. Scriptures are where we get the evidence for why we believe what we believe. So, but why, why also that? Remember the argument I laid earlier. Then be, if we believe what Jesus said, we also believe that scriptures were God-breathed. Men wrote them down. But those men did not write it of their agency. Those men were inspired of the Holy Ghost. Am I making sense? Those men did not write it of their own agency. Those men were what? Inspired. So it is the writings of men, but it's the words of God. Are you with me? That's why Paul will, sometimes Paul will say, I speak as a man. So at that point, he's speaking on what, that's why he said, I speak as a man. I would that everybody were unmarried. He's not saying that this is what God is saying. But when he says that revelationally, you know, the woman, the man typifies Christ in marriage and then the woman typifies the church and husbands are to love, wives are to submit and whatnot. You know, when he says that, he's not speaking as a man. He's speaking as one who has been engraced by God to present the revelations of God. Are you with me, please? So, and let me even just add this. What is the difference? You see, apostles today are not the same as apostles then. So, the way some people, I believe, some people believe that the apostolic gifts have ceased, that they are no longer apostles. I don't believe that nonsense. I believe that the apostolic gifts still continue. But in scriptures, we see that there are different kinds of apostles. I, I, I like to put it this way. There are capital letter A apostles and then small letter A. The capital letter A apostles are the 12 and Paul. Those ones they could present doctrine. They were the ones that were going to bring the revelation of Christ to the church. But the apostle small letter A today is not, he does not have that kind of doctrinal authority. Are you with me, please? So, every apostle today is subject to the capital letter A apostles' writings because their writings were inspired of God and those writings that were inspired, it was their writings, but it was the words of God. Are you here? The words of God. So, all these things are one of the reasons why we believe that we believe in scriptures. We believe in the authority of scriptures. We believe that scriptures are the um, words of the Lord. The words of the Lord. So let's go back to Acts. Let me show you. I just that's a soft caveat, but let's just go back to Acts. Some of you need to listen to what I said again and again. So there's a recording. We're going to upload this sermon on podcast on Telegram everywhere. So. Acts 28. Let's go back to that verse 23. He said, he expounded and testified the, the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the laws of Moses. In fact, I even forgot something. That Acts, that's 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 17. He said, and from a child thou has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise unto salvation. Are you aware that when he was writing this letter to Timothy, there was no book of Timothy? The other epistles were not there. The gospels were not ready. So when he said scriptures, what was he talking about? The Old Testament book, the law and the prophets. So those books, it doesn't, he didn't, of course, it doesn't mean that everything inside made him wise unto salvation. They were, this, that's how, the same way Jesus pointed out from the law, the Psalms and the prophets, the things concerning himself. 
It's the same way there are specific things that, uh, I, we know Timothy is not the first generation Christian in his house, right? His mother, his grandmother, Lois, Eunice, and then him. We see that the way favors children will serve God. Amen. So, the way you see all those things, they were specific things they taught Timothy from scriptures. It didn't just, script, the goal of scriptures is not just to make you wise. He says scriptures make you wise financially, wise materially, wise hospitality, wise everywhere. Scriptures make wise in a direction. Unto what? Salvation. Because salvation is the what? Message of scriptures. Christ is the message of scriptures. Are you, are you guys with me at all? Are you guys at that? Maybe we should not have gone for that break. <clears throat> oh, we're almost done. I won't exit five. I won't even end by five. I'll end a little earlier. Favor, you don't want to end earlier. I should go. I should go on. Bless uh. I go. They put gate fee. Now let them drag me on Twitter. <laughs> so. Scriptures make wise. On If you handle scripture properly, you will be wise in a direction. And that direction is called what? Salvation. So, going back. Acts 28. I just wanted to add that. Um, Acts 28. The Bible says Paul was persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the what? Law of Moses and out of the prophets. From what? Morning till evening. That's why we are here. We came in the morning. We are living in the evening. Wave to Jesus. That's the example. From morning. You see, Paul was preaching. Somebody, he, let's, let's look at that verse. Eutychus. Is it Acts 16? Okay. I'm very curious. Is it from his name we got the word we get euthanasia? I'm just curious. Is it from Eutychus we get euthanasia? It could be. You never know. Sorry, did someone wave? Okay. Acts 20. Look at this one. Look at let's read from verse 7. He said, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. Okay, are you here? He ready to depart on the morrow. He continued his speech till midnight. So, we are not told when he started. Please follow me. When, are you here? Yes, we are not told when he started, but let us assume Paul started in the evening. He continued till where? Very good. Look at verse 8. He said, and there were many lights in the upper chamber where they gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. That's why, in this, I can see some of you are struggling with sleep, but I will not end this teaching because you are struggling. I will not end it. If you sleep and fall down, you all right? You see that? We continue. We continue. Because I, I learned something. You know, I heard a man of God say something and he struck me. He said, the pastor determines the appetite of the people. If you give people 30 minutes sermon, they will be used to it. 
So the day you preach 40 minutes and they are angry, you now be saying, why are they angry? You are the one that caused it. It's just the same way when you are used to sound doctrine, you can't be blessed by some things again. You can't be blessed. All those, uh, <gasps> it's not like it's all, when they say that it's always wrong. No, no, no. Some people say that and it's, and it's right. You know, but when you do that, at some point, I've, I've been there. People are jumping. I'm like, why? Why are you jumping? Or some people are taking notes. I'm like, what are you writing? What did he say? <laughs> so, anyways, um, he said, Eutychus, he fell into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long, somebody say long. As he was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Nobody don't die now. Mm -hmm. We move. He said, and Paul went down and fell on him. Paul said, you must finish this sermon. (laughs) He fell on him. You think you die? Just they play. (laughs) He will join this sermon. He fell on him, embracing him. He was so emotional. He said, trouble not yourself, for his life is in him. And when, when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. Twelve. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. And we went, they brought the young man alive and were not a little, and we went before to sheep and sailed. Oh, no, this is not what I'm looking for. Hold on, I'm coming. Just stay with me. Okay, yes, I, I rushed past that. Let's go back to verse 10. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Look at verse 11. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while. Even to the what? So let me tell you what happened. Paul preached. From let's assume his evening. We are not told when. But let's assume it's evening. He preached from, let's say 7 p.m. to midnight. Eutychus sleep, sleep. He slept and died. Paul woke him up and said, you know what? Let's take break. They ate food. When they ate food, Paul now kept on talking to break. So maybe they took 45 minutes break. You know, 30 minutes break. You know, death break. <laughs> they took a short break. He said, ah, waiting have a person died. So he said, maybe we chop food. <laughs> so somebody died. He said, uh, and when he was taking up, he broke bread and eating. He now said he talked a long, somebody said long. long. First of all, remember he said he was long preaching. Then he now talked again a what? A long while. And then even till the break of day. So Paul, when they say break of day, it's not 6 p.m. He means till they saw uh-huh. Till they saw the, the dawn breaking, that's when they you know, say, Ah, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> so he preached long, you know. In fact, it's even after the preaching, they said the young man was still alive. <laughs> he said, And we went before to the ship and sailed unto Assos, you know, there, and Paul did all his, this thing. I read those verses to show you that, listen, long preaching is scripture's way. Is scripture's way. You know, there's another verse in my spirit. I'm trying to. Um, 
Huh? <laughs> Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Sorry, nine, I think it's 19, not 9. Acts 19. Faithful are you. Acts 19. Uh-huh. Let's read from verse 9. Or let's read from verse it, so we'll get the context. He said, and he went into the synagogue. That's Paul. <laughs> synagogue. And spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Look at verse 9. But when divers were what? Talk to me now. When divers were what? And believed not, but spoke evil of that way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the disciples. So, he had been preaching. And the people that did not believe, he did what? The people that, the, the few people that believed, he took them to the house of one called what? That's why we're in the community. Many people join, but many people are not active. I've been removing them. Because I'm following Paul. I remember now. Once I just say last thing, within a month, if you don't join prayers, you don't join Bible study, you don't join, why are you there? Somebody saying he's shading me. Yes, it's you I'm talking to. All right. I'm jokingly serious. He says, he says, disputing daily, look at verse 10. He said, and this continued by the space of two years. Are you with me? Paul did what? He did what now? He disputed there with them how long? Daily. Mm-mm. The disciples. He spoke, basically he taught them every day for how many years? See, if you jam that kind of disciple, if you jam him, he knows what he's saying. You know, I was on Instagram one day, and I saw a sponsored ad. He said, you know, I'm inviting you to a church. The church was in Yaba. He said, our entire service is one hour. He said, that was the selling point. That's selling. He said, I'm not saying, I'm not saying the sermon, music, uh, the service, opening prayer and everything is just one hour. I see you are giving people, how many hours are in a week? 164? 24 times 7. Use your calculator. <laughs> Some people are doing, mm, use your calculator. Mm-hmm. That's an engineer, rather. Anyways. 168. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 168. <laughs> so, 168 hours in a week. Google this thing. How many hours does an average person spend on Netflix every year? Google it. (laughs) Google it, Google it. Those online, participate. Every week, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I saw one every year. Look at this. I think I saw this one. Hold. Hold on. Let me show you something. Every. 
Every week, 5% watch between 31 and 40 hours. 3% watch between 40 I'm saying it for those online. 3% watch between 41 and 50. Uh-huh. 2% watch between 51 and 60 hours. 2% watch between 51. Don't you have work? 51 and 60 hours a week. On film. Every week. 4% watch more than 60 hours on Netflix. Now, I think I saw this thing in the US. Um, how many pe- now? Okay, let's even leave. Let's even leave here. Ah, check this thing: um, percentage of time spent in church weekly by Christians in the UK or in the US. I think I saw that statistic. They compared the amount of time people spend in church in the US with how, every year with with how much time they spent on Netflix. Even if you add how much time they spend on the Bible, you know, rich. I saw something very interesting. I don't know how true it is, but I think it's true. He said, if you read your Bible for six minutes every day, you should finish your Bible in two years, cover to cover. If you read your Bible for two hours, 29 minutes every day, you will finish your Bible cover to cover in two two weeks or a week. I can't remember. I know if you read 40 chapters every day, you should finish your Bible in two weeks. So, the same people that will go to Coachella or Afrochella, Ashaka is coming, they will run. When I say, what do you mean by you're having program two to five? It's too long. Like, what's happening there? Like, God is everywhere. Ashaka is not on your internet. He will come late, but you will wait. Because patience worketh perseverance. You will still wait. You. <laughs> people, they will still wait. So, you know, I heard a man of God, he said, he said, I don't have a problem with Africella. Do what you like. He said, but do what Christ will do. Allow. He said, but, so you say things like, we're having a three days meeting in church. People say, why will you be going to church every day on a weekday? Don't you have other things? But if you say, I'm going to the club, you know, every day I just want to cool off. They'll say, it's good, do you? It's good for your emotional health. It's good for your well-being, you know, your mental health. You know, December is a really trying period. And things like that. So you just need to cool off. Who told you I don't cool off in church? So when I saw that, I said we spend 168 hours a week. Let's say let's use the barest minimum. They spend 31 hours on Netflix. That's the short end. 31 hours on Netflix, one every week. Let's say they sleep seven hours a day. Seven times seven is what 49. 49 plus uh, 31 hours. That's 71. It's Sorry, 80. Good. 80 hours. How many hours is left in the week? Wait now. She's correct. 88. 88 hours in the week. Wait now. Hold on, please. 88 hours. Now, let's say they do an 8 to 5. Right? Let's say they do an 8 to 5. How many hours is that? 9 hours. 8 to 5. 8 to 5 times 5. 45. So they have... Wait, 45 minus 88. 43, 43, good. The remaining 43 hours, you know, we've calculated work, we've calculated sleep, calculated Netflix, social media, you know, transit time, you know, transit time, done everything, social media. Have you seen your screen time and been afraid? You say, Jesus. In the morning, you've done four hours. 
Eight, uh, 11, you've done four hours. You see, Instagram will be long like this. So, you have, we have those conversations with people. And people will now say, why are you going to church all the time? Why are you doing this? Now, of course, at the same time, it doesn't mean sleep in church. No, that, 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 won't, that won't happen. You know, you have to do your things. You have to work. You have to be there for your family. Let me say something. You see, this, one day I will teach on money. The time is not far. Hey, June is coming. And it's, one day I will teach on family. But, you see, on money, don't chase the bag at the expense of your soul. Don't chase the bag at the expense of things that matter. So, this is not Lagos, right? If it's Lagos, you know, people chase the bag in their youth and use the same bag to take care of their health in their old age. But here, I mean, you do the train, you do everything. You do money ship, nine ship, money ship, nine ship. You do everything. You carry that hustle culture. You get the citizenship. You will get married. You do everything. You will forget you have children. You know, when we, Pastor Peter, were looking for a hall, and there's a guy, Pastor Peter was like, oh, do you guys open on Sunday? The guy said, oh, no, he was locked on Sunday. And he was asking him, why are you locked on Sunday? Like, how much can we pay you to open? He said, there's no money in the world. You can pay me for us to open. Why? He said, because um, I just had a, I have a one-year-old son, and Sunday is the only time I get to spend with him. That's noble. That's noble. I'm going to travel the world preaching the gospel, and I know that that will mean I may not always be around. The times they are on holiday, oh yeah, let all of us travel together. Before I come back and you tell me you feel like a cat inside. Even if, even if, you know, their mom will be busy. No, you see, my kids, I know now. God is not a fool for putting a man and a woman in the house. Because I believe that there's a dimension of, or there's a side of God that a man represents to his children. There's another side of God that the women represent to their children. My children won't grow up and, and say, oh, do you know? <laughs> God. Children will grow up and say, all they know about that is he's a pastor. That's all. Oh, what's my dad? I don't really know daddy. As he's coming in, everybody's entering their room. Voltron. As he's coming in, everybody's entering their room. So you don't know your children. The only thing your children know about you is you shout. You don't spend time. You don't do anything. In fact, in this kind of ungodly work culture, there's something that this ungodly work culture in the UK does to us. Two things. You will not, you will not know generosity. Because of how hard you work, you can't give. Yes, you, calculate, you say, ah, uh-uh, so I should give you three hours. Just like that. You can't give. Because of how, because of the kind of work, and there, there's that. So, <clears throat> people are chasing People are chasing, and do you know the thing? We live, because, of the, because the economy is good, right? We don't need as much as we always think we do. I really believe if the wife is very busy with work, maybe the man should sit down at home, be a home dad, maybe. And if she ends like a lot, maybe. So when you say, ah, why would the man be at home? Now, so you like bills. <laughs> There's a kind of hammer, my baby, hammer. Let's say, where April? <laughs> you are playing with grace. 
See? Why? Because it's not because you are lazy. It's because somebody must be at home with the kids. Many of us probably know, many of us probably know that as, as the dad is coming home, as the dad is coming home, the mom is going for night shift. As the mom is coming back, the, the dad is going out. Some people have to do it for a short while, no problem. But when it consistently has to be done, nobody's raising, Instagram is raising your children. You will wake up one day and notice that you don't know them. So in this culture, because of the way we walk, you see that thing called generosity is strangled. Generosity is strangled. And because, you know, the more you walk, so there's nothing sacred anymore. If you walk on Sunday, you are paid plus two. You are paid plus two or you are paid times one and a half. And I say, ah, ah, well, church. Times one and a half. You know, and I say, how far you didn't come? Well, I was busy. Uh, I will send my tithe. Your tithe perish with you. So listen, and so a lot of people don't, they don't know how to separate. You know, I will talk on financial stewardship and that's something I talk about giving, all kinds of giving, tithing and whatnot, whatnot. The, I, I, I believe the concept of tithing is smart. I will talk about the scriptural path later when, I, when we do a series on money. But if you've listened to cryptocurrency, you know where I stand on that. I think it's smart because you, it is smart to say that this aspect of my money belongs to the Lord. Same way it's smart to say, you see Sunday, it is for God. Me, even if I was not a pastor, it doesn't matter how much you are paying me, Sunday. Son, especially because you grind Monday to Friday. So you will stay with your family. You know, my fiance and I were talking one day, and I said, it's very easy to, it's very easy to, you will just be away from your family. And you will come back one day and notice that you don't know, you are not on the same wavelength. You don't know each other. Because a lot can happen in one month. You don't know each other. Is something to note. If you can, don't work nine shifts every day. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Your eyes will not be looking like yam. You say the money is good. You know if you work one less day or two, or maybe you do uh, afternoon sometimes, you will regain your health. You are 27. Your blood pressure is dangerous. He can cook something. We brought a hustling spirit to the UK. Come on. So, listen, when it comes to, especially in this, if you need to be present with your children, he's here. He's here. If you need to be at home for your family, he's here. Not just for your children, your significant... How can you marry somebody and then you don't have time for the person? Are you under a spell? And you say you are a Christian. Where did you, have you so learned Christ? The same one who the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Come on. We're in the UK, but we're not of the UK. Amen? Amen. 
So we will not let the culture stifle us or change us. It won't happen. It won't happen. We will be different. Say different. Very good. Anyways, Paul, so a lot of people don't have a problem with, a lot of people don't have, and of course, the Sunday thing, if you, if you must walk on Sunday, you know, do evening, but you say, you see church, I must be in it. Do you know why? If you've been away from the fellowship of the saints, you are dulling your senses. You are dulling yourself to something. There are some things that you can just come, how many of you, you were struggling with a decision you wanted to make? You wanted to make a decision. The temptation was dangling in your mind. You were, you, were, you were thinking, is it really that bad? As they raise one worship song in church, you say, I'm not doing it again. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Because there's something about the fellowship of the saints that saves us from trouble. Saves us from trouble. Don't go after convenience. There's something about us that likes the bare minimum. When we talk about prayer, you will say it's not about the length, it's about how where. It's not about how long. Just they play. Just they play. It's not. When we talk about fasting, you say, God hear me. Fasting doesn't move the hand of God. Neither does gluttony. Whether I pray or not, God will do what he wants to do. They play. When they jam you, they play. And, and this is the thing. There is no spiritual exercise that changes God. It changes us. Spiritual exercises, whether we give. You see, next year, there are some sacrificial givings I want to do. And it's not because the people I'm giving to need it. First of all, it's a stir of the spirit. Secondly, it will help me give, do, do away with covetousness. Anything you give, you become bigger than. Are you aware? If you give a car, it means that covetousness has broken off a car over you forever. Among other things. There are sacrificial givings. I mean givings I will have to save to do. But will I do it? Yes. Will I do it joyfully? Yes. Believe me, I will not be able to afford some things gladly. Yes. Yes. So I've already proposed in my heart. This, there are three in particular. I will do it. So, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, don't always like the bare minimum. Uh, Shebi, they will stream. I will stream at home. I promise you, if you can come and you decide to stream, there is distance in that realm of the spirit. I promise you. I, you know, one special meeting in Lagos, we're doing another one October this year. For Lagos folks, we're doing another one October this year. Adeshola is asking me one special meeting in UK now. Anyways, we're doing, we did one special meeting. I, the, the atmosphere was electric. But then, I was not watching it online. I said, it's good, but it's not the same. It's not the same. So we deceive ourselves. Many of our parents, they went to Orioke. They traveled for conferences. But we say, I, I can just stream on Mixla. I just plug it and put in my um, AirPods. You know, while I'm doing my assessment, I say, mm, what a word. Be serious. Be serious. Be serious. 
You hear a lot of people say things like, and that thing, it happens on Twitter, on social media. You talk about prayer, you say it's not about how long. Okay. You say, God will still hear me. It's because you think that many of us are praying because we have needs. You know, Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees. If there is a cause, you will pray. It's just that because there is nothing compelling that is upon your heart. Because God matters to me. The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves and pray. Prayer is humility before God. Because I know without God, I know fit, I will pray. Because I know all I have, he first gave me. If he tells me give, quickly, I won't count hours, I give. Do you know, I used to say something. Maybe, I don't know, I'm talking about spiritual devotion, so maybe I should bring it. When it comes to giving especially, I feel, I may be wrong, I feel that there are some financial testimonies we don't really hear as much because there are sacrifices we don't also give, do as much. <clears throat> For example, how many of you, your parents ever tell you, God said I should clear my account? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Have you seen some dangerous testimonies in their lives? Now, please, I'm not telling you to clear your account. I'm trying to explain something. All right. I, I believe, now when people say that they give a first fruit, I'm not saying God tells them, they decide that, you know what, first salary of the year, I give it. There's a way I used to advise people to do it. Don't clear everything, especially if you have a family. You will sleep on the street. Don't do it. If, you're, if you must do it, break that salary into three. Spread it across months so that your family still has things. Or start saving from October before you do it. And if you do it, it's noble. It's okay. It's consecration. Separating that for the Lord. Right? But when we talk about things like that, I realize that the argument on tithing, I know a lot of people had abused that teaching on tithing and many things, but the argument on tithing and all that stuff, a lot of people were arguing against tithing not because it was doctrinal, but because they are stingy. So, doctrine was just a weapon for them. It was a weapon for them. It was a weapon. So, we can't do that. We can't do... So, when we tell people like that, you hardly hear people who are sounding God's word say, the Lord said I should give this... You say, because God loves a cheerful. If he's not cheerful, I won't do it. It can't be the Lord. That's not what that verse means. Are you guys with me at all? Because what do we have that he did not give us? What do we have that he did not what? Give us. There's that. Prayer. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. Better is what prayer does in you than what prayer does for you. That's what my man of God says. Better is what prayer does in you than what prayer does for you. The greatest ministry of prayer is inside. A praying man will change. Let me show you some verses of scripture. You know, I did a, I did a, I saw somebody, I, I was talking about a tweet one time and I did a reel and people are commenting rubbish because I'm tired. Somebody said, um, somebody said, uh, he said, you see, if I pray, <laughs> God, I beg. He said, if you cannot pray more than 30 minutes or something along those lines, he said, you cannot shake your generation for God. And people said, people were angry. They were like, it's not about how long, it's how well. All those nonsense. Talking this thing. 
And people will say, me, I don't need to pray long. If I pray 15 minutes, God has heard me. That's the problem. You think prayer is about answers and needs. God doesn't need five minutes to hear you. Prayer changes the man that prays. So people will say all those things and say, it's not, it's not about this, it's not about that. <laughs> and he said, and people were angry. But did he lie? Did he lie? I make bold to say there are, in quote, places in God you will not touch if you cannot tarry in prayer. So when somebody comes and tells you that, oh, I prayed this, don't be angry and say it's not about how long. Desire to do it. Grow. Appreciate it. That's how to grow first. Appreciate it. Let me show you something. Psalm 37 verse 4. He says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Are you here? He says, desire in the Lord and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. So, um, and that's why this verse I'm about to show you shows why people who pray a lot seem to have their prayers answered. Please follow me. Look at what um, Psalm Psalm, First John five fourteen, he said, "This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything, how? According to his will, he hears us. The man who, and this is what uh, he said. He said, he said, how did how did uh, this guy put it now? Mukatali Parusha." He said, you ask and you have not because you what? Ask and miss. And the next verse now says, because you ask because you want to consume it upon your own lust. Praying and miss is not mispraying or praying the wrong prayer point. Praying and miss is when you are praying to gratify lust. That's praying and miss. Because God, 1 John 5, God gives us when we pray according to his will. Kenahagin said, faith begins when the will of God is known. If you are praying what is not God's will, you are not praying in faith. Am I making sense, please? But the man who prays, desire in the Lord and, and he will give you the delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The man who spends time praying, his desires are purged by God. Because his desires are purged, when he stands to pray on a matter, the Lord gives him because God trusts him. Are you here? Because that man has delighted in the Lord and God can give that man the desires of his heart. That man that prays, he's not praying because of his lust. Hence, he will not pray amiss. And a lot of times, we don't know that when it comes to prayer, we are standing before a God who knows the future more than he knows the past. He knows us. So when we come being all sober and sincerely, we are praying to gratify our lust. He sees Am I making sense? He sees. Fasting. Do you think if whether you eat or not, God won't hear? It's not about you. But when we fast, when we pray, it changes us. If I had my way, every day of our 21 days prayer and fasting, we will pray physically. Even if it's just one hour. Physically, physical praying every day.
I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Nihagwa Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at c.me forward slash Nelson Nihagwa. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Nihagwa. God bless you.